Hello, and welcome to the 26th annual award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. And I'm Patrick Gremion. Welcome to The Academy. Patrick, he lost. He lost last week. I know. The heat is feeling pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess it's not cool. It's not cool for heat, but the heat is cold. No, I mean, it's like Robert De Niro walked away within 10 seconds of the heat coming down, and that was it. I mean, yeah. just, it, you know. It looks like the heat couldn't stand the heat. It had to get out of the kitchen. You know, Tom Sizemore said, the action is the juice, but not this time <laughs> around. <laughs> the only juice Tom Sizemore is sipping is uh, apple juice. Yeah, non-alcoholic apple non, juice. Non-alcoholic <laughs> apple juice. Sorry, bud. Uh, the insider, yeah, the insider yeah. crushed it. Yeah, the insider yeah. went two-one last week. Uh, is it a dark horse in the tournament? We'll see. Maybe I like it a lot. The insider's good as hell. So I mean, looking at uh, two more films today in which Pacino is teamed up with a heavy hitter, much Ooh. like in the insider. That is um, true. And I think we should just get into it. Introduce our guest. I mean, a uh, beloved figure in the academy academy universe yes uh uh, returning champion and simi valley's number one florence foster jenkins fanatic kyle clark is back in the academy welcome to the academy it's feeling good to hear those titles (laughs) Um, it was fun listening to that last episode because at the end of your episode when heat loses and a fox jumps into the podcast and says (laughs) chaos reigns yeah really satisfying like you guys really went the distance (laughs) not the first uh lars von schreer reference on the show (laughs) man man on man and and everything changed yeah Uh, as Werner herzog once said every man for himself and God against all. <laughs> yeah. It's like everything he says is what I want to make my senior quote. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then when people like find your yearbook at a Goodwill in like 20 years, they open it up. I like, I know exactly what kind of guy that guy was. <laughs> my roommate in college always pitched out that the best uh, yearbook quote would just be, oh God, look out behind you. <laughs> I think I was like in the very 90s view of like, um, doing like like brand taglines oh there you go like uh i think uh like, loose and or the choice of a new generation there or something go. like that my uh, senior class was very notoriously uh a large group of unpleasant teens so <laughs> one of the many things we were denied was uh senior quotes that's probably yeah i mean it, the problem was we were we were just we were just like a bunch of bad criminals where it was like good take it away we don't want it it's like we it's all uh, council elections because they knew we'd fuck it up. Like it was just it was a whole process. of them going like, you guys can't be allowed to do things. <laughs> wow. It's like a split down the middle uh, quotes between either like uh, dead Kennedy songs or like um, three, six mafia yeah. songs. And then was- some stuff just that's just the lines of dialogue from the O.C. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the OC. One That's my scene. Is a cool band. Welcome to the OC is like Richard Attenborough, like a <laughs> like a character. Welcome to the OC. The music plays. The uh, the uh, entrance to the OC. Stand by the edge of the swimming pool and either get punched into the pool or punch someone else, and they will fall into the pool. <laughs> So is this number two in the run? Where are we sitting in in the competition? 
by the way. This is the fourth fourth okay episode okay. thus far. Uh, 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 and this will, you know, for listeners just jumping in right now. Uh, Dog Day Afternoon defeated the Panic in Needle Park three nothing, in a pretty resounding yeah. victory. Yeah. Uh, Scent of a Woman defeated Any Given Sunday two one. Damn, I like, did I vote for Any Given Sunday. I look, voted for it. The, <laughs> look, the right man won, but the fun one didn't win. We all agree. Uh, Any Given Sunday is a one hundred percent Academy yeah, Academy approved certifiable slapper. You remember when LL Cool J does a bunch of cocaine off a of lady's tits in that movie? <laughs> Oh, do I? Yeah, and it's only the uh, like twenty fifth most yeah. provocative thing that happens. <laughs> yeah. It's I have a soft spot for movies where the movie itself feels like it has a cocaine problem. Oh, I oh it, yeah, and oh, totally. I you know Oliver Stone is so exciting. Like that movie, you know, is twenty years, and you're just like nobody's doing it like that. It's like oh, because they've probably removed the outward use of cocaine. Have I at that level told you boys on this show or Don, have I told you before my Oliver Stone story? No. no. Tell okay. us. It's, it's one of those ones where I'm like, should I tell this? But it's pretty harmless. Uh, <laughs> when I was working uh, back in my Nerdist days, Oliver Stone was a guest. He was promoting the People's Secret History of America or whatever, the Showtime show. And I started getting, I, my job at the time was to go greet the guests and then take them to the studio and get them all set and then, you know, go from there. And uh, so I'm waiting on it and I'm getting texts from his like assistant. And it was, it was like, he's five, 10 minutes away. He's five minutes away. And then it was this uh, Mr. Stone requires a decaf coffee and a Danish pause. Two seconds, a cheese Danish exclamation point. <laughs> uh, so I went and scrounged those up and then he got there and that there was this brief period of time where the show was recording up in this like upstairs. It was, uh, it's the, it was the same location where they did at midnight and it eventually became the writer's room. But then it was this kind of empty room upstairs and I got Oliver Stone and he's by himself and he's, you know, he's very friendly. He's just, but he's just like a thousand year old man. So he's just sort of like, how you doing? And uh, we, we get to the stairs and I watch Oliver Stone look at those stairs and with his eyes just go, nah, I ain't doing that. I ain't going up those stairs. And then what I had to do was hold the decaf coffee and the Danish and walk backwards up the stairs as if I was leading him. to. Oh, man. And it's it's no one's around. It's just the two of us. And I am leading uh, one of one of the great directors of American cinema into a room. And I was like, this feels wrong. But also, this is the greatest thing I've done in this job in a while. <laughs> What's nice he's a very, very nice man. I just want to say that. But it was just funny because he did not want to go up those stairs. He's, he's certainly a guy like Patrick. You're a little bit younger than we are. You were not. Like you probably weren't around for like when Oliver Stone was probably out, outside Stone, outside of Steven Spielberg, probably the most known director in the country oh, at that no, point. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, and he won Best Director twice. Yeah. He like he's a he, two-time he, best director winner. Yeah. His role from like Salvador, Platoon, Wall Street, Born on the Fourth of July. The Doors and JFK, like, Nixon, just all the way, basically any given Sunday is kind of the, the last off. one. Yeah. yeah. But he was like, everybody had like an opinion on him. Like his wow. movies were like these real, like I have a conversation pieces. It was very interesting. I think Tarantino took, took some of his thunder mm. as like the outspoken director. Oh, all of, of course uh, we guy. forgot uh, natural born killers in oh, that yeah. rundown. Right. Uh, and I think that Natural Born Killers is where he actually goes. Like, I'm going to take out Oliver Stone by going on the inside. 
Yeah, I've never heard. I know that. I mean, I know Tarantino was not thrilled with um, Natural Born Killer. The results so he says because you always natural- got to lie about the plan. Yeah, um, but I know that like I saw the non-director's cut of JFK at the New Beverly, and I'll be thankful for new for Tarantino for uh, yeah. doing a ninety a nineties original nineties print oh, of JFK, shit. and I was uh, so it was a thrilling evening to watch the you know non tinkered with. Oh, that's, that is glorious. God yeah. damn. Oh, it's totally worth going to. I'll just, just so, hear those Kennedy accents and full theatrical sound. <laughs> so is like the non-tinkered version better than like the exorbitantly cut uh, stone version? Well, it's hard to tell. We're dealing with a lot of directors um, this time around. You know, Michael Mann, of course, last week being the most infamous uh, who kind of play around with all the cuts on all their movies and all of our stone is has director's cuts and ver- different versions of everything. But, you know, I tend to like to try at least to see the original mm. version of it. I mean, I know like, you know, we mentioned it last week because I watched the director's definitive edition of heat before uh, last week's episode. I've never seen it. How is it? You know, it's just, it's actually more of a remaster is it, than, than is, anything is else. Coke habit prominent in the director's cut or was no. that cut even from there? No, it's, that's it's, the thing it, I didn't know until years later is that they shot stuff of him chipping coke. It's never, um, it's never made it in any version, as that's far as it. I know. I, I, I wish I could see that version because I feel like that's a different movie. It oh, yeah. it opens your mind on Vincent Hanna. Yeah, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I think, like, I like. I I've seen. I've I the only man film that I actually have an opinion really on directors on cuts is Miami vice. I prefer the director's cut. That's what everybody says. I got to see it. Like man is somebody who's never been one of my guys, but I've, I've begun trying to just like appreciate some stuff. Cause I'm like, all right, I need to get, there's, there's holes in my education. I need Mm -hmm. to fill. And so man has been a project the last couple of years. And it's, it's been interesting because he's so not my tempo, but at the same time, like every single one I sort of look at and go like, but this is fascinating because I just like, what brain made this? And Miami Vice is the number one version of that. Mm-hmm. Like that, I think that if I had watched that movie when it came out, it'd been like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. And now I watch it and go like, I have to watch this three more times now. It's hypnotic. It's truly a hypnotic film. Like I loved it when it came out, but I, I've seen it dozens of times. It also brought mm-hmm. to my attention that I need a go fast boat. Oh, <laughs> and uh, you know, the what is uh crockett's favorite drink it's the uh oh, mojitos the, uh, mojitos, mojitos. got to get the mojitos but i it has like i genuinely think the part where he takes her to cuba in the in the boat and those they have those helicopter shots they become an anthony bourdain show for a little while but yeah but the entrance into it is yes. one of the most amazing sequences ever put to film and i totally stand by that just kind of like the entire vibe and feeling and the way he puts the music together and the way it's shot. And I love, I love Colin Farrell's performance in the, the entire movie. I feel like Colin Farrell in that movie is very much channeling Al Pacino. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, obviously they had recently worked together on the recruit. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Which I, I, I saw. I, I I don't know. I was in that realm though. I, I was totally I I bought stock and I was totally in on the um. I've been in on the Colin Farrell fandom 
the entire I, way through. But I was I liked SWAT. I liked Phone Booth. I liked all of his attempts at kind of. Uh, I even like him in Daredevil. Show. I'm gonna say it. Yeah, yeah. Said it. he's oh. the best part of it. He's oh, the best part of it. The part where he like uh, murders that lady with a peanut. Yeah. <laughs> More of that, please. Oh man! Oh, you guys should do Colin Farrell one day. That'd be uh, that's a good uh, one. fun one. That's Love a lot to. of movies too. Uh, oh man, you got all those like uh, you know the lobster and uh, what was the other one he did with the uh, uh, killing it, killing of a sacred deer. Oh man, yeah, he's he's had such a very maybe, maybe my secret favorite Yorgos. Oh. Uh, Bold, yeah. Shh, don't tell. Don't tell. <laughs> <laughs> a little academy academy after dark yeah <laughs> <laughs> i tell the audience our little yorgos secrets oh if we ever do a patreon though it the the bonus show should be called academy academy after dark oh, mm. i think yeah. uh i think that that's the uh yeah, that's that's what i've learned is the best part of setting up a patreon it's not your listeners being able to support you financially it's getting to name weird sideshows you've always wanted to call things <laughs> Yeah, it was well, bonus episodes called the kickback. We would give us an opportunity, though, like when Patrick is texting me like, here's a 32 film Paul Giamatti bracket. And I'm like, that sounds great. Man, you know, do we have time? If you guys thought I was political with Streep, <laughs> like I, I don't know how dark and extreme I'd get for Giamatti because I am an American splendor diehard. Mm, that'd that be is mine. one of my top 10 movies. It <laughs> is, it's like a perfect film. It is yeah. like, it's so good. It is I've, my comfort food movie in the last few years. I come over to your place with bottles of Pinot Noir to bash you over your head and tell you, know you otherwise. <laughs> no, we gotta have somebody for it to compete against in the last round. Oh, I'll man. team up with Sideways to wreck everybody else. <laughs> What are we gonna do? Let's shoot him up in there. Get out of here. Yeah, uh, come on. Get out of here. Shoot him up. Get out of here. Get out of here, big fat liar. <laughs> that's where that's, li- that's when when he gets blued. Right? Yeah. Nunez bracket, oh. man. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> What's up, Nunez bracket? Right, that's the um, that's the Aca- Banks, baby. that's the Academy Academy promise. If we make it to a Frankie Munez bracket, we're ending the show. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. We're done. That's, that's it. Yeah, we're done. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. It's like, <laughs> there's like seven movies on a 16 seed bracket. Patrick is dead, and I'm doing the show by myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a skeleton. It's just a skeleton on a screen. <laughs> Patrick, what do you think? The, gra- the green screen does still change every episode somehow. <laughs> yeah. Still, yeah, it's still a picture of blued out Paul Giamatti in the background. <laughs> Just like a dust, skeleton sounds, skeleton sounds. Oh, my goodness, my goodness. Uh, well, Kyle, Kyle, you know, we're here for Al Pacino. You tried to get us back on base of moments, a few moments ago, but we... We, know, we, 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 we went down to we went we went into a Malcolm in the middle rabbit hole. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but, a, my, my dog skip hole. Yeah. Oh jeez. <laughs> name another one. Let's name another one. Oh, to, s- don't look it up. Stay alive. <laughs> right? That, That's like a zombie murder. Yes, I do be, believe he is in that. It's like it's huh? like a Milo <laughs> Ventimiglia. Milo, Milo, Ventima Babiglio, Mike Birbiglia. It's a Milo. It's a Mike Birbiglia joint. It's a, it's a yeah. Mike Birbiglia. It was the movie he made after uh, the Sleepwalk with Me. Yeah. <laughs> Zombie uh, video game. For all the, all that adds up. Yeah. I was trying to explain to my girlfriend recently what a nightmare it was for every comedian in a relationship for the year Sleepwalk with Me came out. <laughs> 
because it was like, hey, you want to go see that popular movie that's really going to put our whole relationship in jeopardy? <laughs> I remember coming into the open mic I ran and I just had a fight with my girlfriend at the time and my my co-host of the open mic, Paul Sebas, turned to me and was like, you all right? I'm like, yeah, we just had a fight. He's like, oh, did you guys just watch Sleepwalk with me? That's... All that, right. that makes Let's perfect back i feel bad that i makes, pulled this into no. a ditch immediately <laughs> that makes no it makes perfect sense like i i uh as a non-comedian who watched that movie single on pay-per-view you know i don't totally you know i was like but i uh, i see where you're coming from totally it's a good film yeah, yeah i mean i, I, I good film I like, I, I, I like both of his movies yeah but uh but we got to get back to al pacino okay, here we're doing it we're doing you it. know we're gonna obviously know the three of us we're gonna get we're gonna we're get sidetracked. We haven't talked about Joe Dante or Adam Sandler or David Cronenberg yet. Those are all, you know what? Put those in your back pocket. They're probably coming right. up at some point. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll cross these off my list. Fine. I feel a little called out. No. <laughs> <laughs> there are favorite. There are favorites too. <laughs> um, but Kyle, we gotta we gotta get down to it here. Uh, we gotta know. What is your alto biography? You know, first memories, first films you liked. Have you ever had a run in with Mr. I have Pacino? Not, actually, and and I feel like such a douche because I've started playing the game in my head where I have to go. Have I? Because you work mm-hmm. seven years on a thing where your job is just walk famous people from a parking lot <laughs> to an air conditioned room. You just like I'll be watching something. I'm like, oh, I got that person coffee once. <laughs> like, and and have just not thought of it until right now. But no, no Pacino. That would have been cool. He's I usually liked the old older actors who would yeah. come in. They they have a much chiller energy most of the time because they're just like, look, I've done a lot of stuff. I don't need to impress anyone. Like no one's no one's gonna come for me. I'm Al Pacino, so I'm just gonna yeah. drink this coffee and be pleasant to whoever's around. I I did coke with Carson off his desk <laughs> off his desk in '77. <laughs> so. God, and so uh, Pacino was one of those people. I was kind of a latecomer to, mm. and it all I think kind of spins back to. I did not see any of the Godfather movies until I was 20 mm. and, and didn't even really register that he is the star of them. Cause I just knew Marlon Brando. And so uh, I'm trying to think like what my reference points were. Cause he was not because I wasn't much of a man guy. So I, I, again, heat is not a thing I saw until like shamefully late, like, like in its entirety, not on television, I think two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of other ones in that vein. So he, the, my big reference point was the devil's advocate. Yeah. Like that was, that was my kind of big, like you were ah! like, and just <laughs> the full, I only knew him as full yell. Yeah. Um, and then ironically, like the first movie that really sucked me into him was one of our movies today, which was insomnia. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I, I, at that point, like I had liked, you know, memento. And I think I'd even seen following at that point and then was, was pretty excited about insomnia. And I was young enough that I had to wait until it came out on video to see it, but then really kind of fell in love with it. And, and that kind of pushed me to start looking at other things of him. Cause he wasn't yelling. He was like acting and doing crazy shit. And I was like, wait a minute, this guy's got other things. And, and <laughs> I'm, I'm fascinated by him. I love any long running actor who lets their career get weird. And he might be the king. Like he might be the, the king of ones where it's not a financial burden that has forced them to let their career get weird. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's interesting. He was, um, he got weird. And then I did read, he actually had, because in the 88 minutes, righteous kill era of his career, that was, 
he did oh, get screwed okay, over so by there, there was some 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 but he was there. already there that's the thing yeah. like because i mean like i mean i think the you know we talked a little bit about it i mean scarface is kind of the in the same vein that i i believe the same vein that the, the shining is for nicholson yeah kind of the demarcation line of um there's a, best a-, a- actor to, to jack or actor to al, al. you know yeah interesting that's that's i super see that um fuck i had a thought about where i was going to try to compare him to somebody oh that's it uh i i am let me throw this at you he's kind of a michael kane in some way mm. yeah he's yeah he's grown into it because basically you know the neck the the rest of his career is going to be like uh, it's a it's a shame like I'm sure he, he's like no one could have picked me to be Michael Caine all the way through. <laughs> but, yeah, I could have been uh, not Watson. He's uh, but he's Alfred. gonna he's gonna be doing like I I think I just watched it again the other night. I thought he's really really funny and great in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But he's gonna be that's kind of gonna be his role where he comes in for like four scenes, right. does some fun stuff. But Come like uh, oh sorry, go ahead. But like no, but like steering the ship as the as the man in a film, I think those days are past unless he's on TV or something like that. I can yeah. see that. Does a se- season of mom. Yeah. <laughs> mom. <laughs> I, I will ask you this because I saw this in college and, it, and go back and forth on whether I think it's interesting or pretentious, depending on my mood on a given day. Have you guys seen it's either searching for Richard or finding Richard? Uh, it's looking, looking for Richard. That's uh, it. I have not seen it yet. We are doing that as a bonus episode in the or, direct in the directed by Pacino. I cannot wait to talk to you both episode. about that after you see it because it is it definitely I think colors the way I see him seeing some of this process there because there's a it's there's a depth that then you see going back and watching some of his like best performances where you're just like man this is even more constructed than he is given credit for. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm thinking that even on like, and the, the the cool thing about him that I really love is that the weird choices they are coherent choices. Yes, they're just weird. They're just kind of like left field, and I really like that. Like, I like the fact that you're kind of riding the blade with him, where it's like this could go bad, like quick. I, I but feel like he, if you love acting, he's got to be a killer scene partner. And if you are not like an acting actor, it's going to be the worst day of your life. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he's, uh, I, I, I just like, the more we dig into this, I find him so remarkable. And I did not realize how much more divisive he was than Meryl Streep. I think I was just living in this cloud of like, you know, I'm admittedly the new Hollywood stuff is... Okay. Oh, like, like New Hollywood? Oh, do the guys on this show all enjoy New Hollywood? Shot, su- surprise, glasses and beers. Yeah, surprise, surprise. Who <laughs> so are talking about physical media before <laughs> we came on? Are all three of us able to grab our copies of Easy Riders, Raging Bulls within arm's reach? Because I know where mine is. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you pre-order the Mike Nichols, Mark Harris book? <laughs> uh, does audio book count? Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> did you did did you just see that? Oh, there's a new book about the making of Midnight Cowboy. I should pick that up. <laughs> yeah. Well, PTA's masterworks. Yeah. yeah. 
right over there. <laughs> For those listening, Don just pointed behind him to it. To my, to my copy of it, yeah. As I looked down at my Al Pacino book. Ooh. And, of course, I had to bring out the Nolan variations to discuss for Damn. Insomnia. But uh, which rec- really recommend Nolan variations if you like him. I think it's a really cool book. Nolan's um, have such a weird relationship with. Because I feel like I'm either way on board or great. It's like a friend who bothers you, but you like. Mm, I, yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, you know, we, we don't need to get too deep. We'll talk. I'd yeah. like, you know, I, hopefully we could just talk specifics on Insomnia. But um, I'll say this, like Insomnia... I, I, I'm one thousand percent movie without a Batman. Mm. Mm, I'm one thousand percent the bag for him, as most people. I've said yeah. it before on the show, like unapologetically a fan, and like every one of his movies. Yeah, um, he's a very clean director. Yeah, which is interesting. I like that, and I like that. Sometimes I actually like like. There's like a part of me that's like watching Insomnia, that I feel like, and this is gonna sound weird, but I feel like uh, Nolan could direct a version of Uncut Gems. <laughs> that is like interesting. Like that would actually be. Good. Oh, it would be a really cool, like chilly version of it. Yeah, like yeah. a really chilly, yeah. like with like yeah, and you could have like yeah, Adam Sandler's like a very. It'd be like a very subdued Adam Sandler performance. Well, be, I like... mean, the only the only difference is it would be um, quiet. The, the timelines would be fractured and it would be sexless. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, no sex. Yeah. Um, but. Man. But I, I think just he. Oh, go of, ahead. Like, the the whatever the Safties are working on next and got real hyped. I didn't. Um, is it a TV series or I, I know that they've signed on to a bunch of different things. Yeah. All right. And well, Benny is acting. OK, wait, in Paul Thomas Anderson. That, OK, that's new movie. Had, is that but he's in Soggy Bottom. That was it. Yeah. Uh, I did. A, I just did a Paul Thomas Anderson episode on This Is Rad that came out this past I week. I saw and that. I did not know Soggy Bottom was going to be a thing until the, my guest told me. And then <laughs> when I clicked on it and saw that it's fucking him like popping up in it, I was like, well, this is a gift. It, it's gonna be a. I mean, it's gonna be a real interesting one. I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son is, by all accounts, the lead in his first yeah. acting role. We gotta uh, get him and Wyatt Russell famous, everybody. Oh, a big fan, a big fan of. Uh, I usually am not a huge supporter of celebrities' kids Same. who but are actors, but I like him. In, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> sight unseen, I'm buying stock in Hoffman's kid, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It is true. He could be awful, and I could just be like, "Well, I put too much in this." No, oh, no. you know, you know, you know, the other one I have high hopes for is uh, Gandolfini's son, who's yeah. who's playing uh, who's playing young Tony Soprano in the Sopranos movie that's coming out. Man, uh, I, I genuine and usually not a big fan of TV shows turned into movies, but I I think this Sopranos one's going to be cool well, too. I, I just think when they were like, "Would you like a little bit more Sopranos?" and I was like, "What kind of question is that?" Do I have to open a vein? Yeah. Is this a needle? Like, how do we put this inside me? <laughs> yeah. Are you, yeah. Just <laughs> yeah, sign me up. Machine? How much How much do I need to pay? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm prepared to kill upwards of three people if you can give me one more sweet, sweet second of Sopranos. Oh, it, gosh. As long as Michael Imperioli gets to profess his love for Kundun again, I'm in. As long as he Brilliant. gets to have another a mother moment where he's just like, hey, I love the film Kunda. Like, that like, is one of the funniest <laughs> things. I think about that often to this day. Is that that one piece of dialogue? And I also rule. at the I also think about the end of it when he puts on the Departed soundtrack, and he's like, "You heard this yet? The Departed soundtrack fucking kicks ass." <laughs> <laughs> it's like a listening, rocking out to what like a. Uh, 
uh, not flogging. Uh, Dropkick Murphys. Dropkick Murphys. Yeah, yeah the well, other one. Yes. I remember. I, I well, believe they lost this... their leg. Yeah. Oh god, so funny. <laughs> Christopher rules. I wish Cle. I wish oh. they'd made Cleaver into yeah. a film, it's, and we just see funny. the results of it. My yeah. brother and his girlfriend during Q did a, their first Sopranos run, and I did it a few years ago, and it was fun. Because when they started it and they're like, oh, yeah, mob stuff. I'm like, yeah, sure. Uh, eventually, we're going to have conversations because you're going to learn how little the mafia really falls into the things you're going to want to talk about in this. And instead, uh, everything Christopher does. It's uh, the fact that shooting it, Tim Daly. Spoilers. I'm sorry. Get a it's job. A, yeah, it came out 15 fucking years ago. <laughs> but no, it's like the one of the it, like Goodfellas. It's one of the funniest things yeah. ever made. And it's also deathly sad. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, and, sometimes I'm learning my favorite combo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it has the. Uh, oh, this this is this might be controversial. The greatest performance, leading performance in television Are history. With Tony. Yeah. I mean, what kind? Yeah. Of, I don't know who's gonna fight you on that because you're right. Uh, maybe maybe Al Swearingen on um fair. Deadwood. Fair. Tough but fair. Yeah, Al Swearington for a minute. Maybe there. I don't know. I feel like Tony's like yeah. pretty like. Uh, hey, so they're both further. they're both Swearington's great. Yeah. Like a supporting role. Like we're yeah. all leading supporting here. Yeah, yeah. But they they're both uh they're both awesome. Ian McShane uh, yeah. and uh, it James Gandolfini. Maybe I mean. maybe Clive Owen in the Nick. That's like the I'll, only. I'll other... ask this with with those other two who aren't Gandolfini. Do you ever think about how those actors breathe? Do you <laughs> think about how many different emotions those actors can breathe in? their level of anxiety and <laughs> anger that he brings out on screen is just and depression straight just like the, but all the things you described are different flows of air out of his body before a single line goes out like yeah it's, that became my obsession is like fuck i wish i could learn to act just to a level where i can just go <sighs> and uh, i have an audience go oh fuck it's going down <laughs> well, well guys i think i mean we we just need to talk about john carpenter's the think thing but uh we've talked about the sopranos and we've talked about heat so we are three dude we are three dudes on a podcast <laughs> oh and, and you bet we're white you yeah. bet we're white <laughs> Take we're that. every stereotype at once <laughs> just three dudes talking about things that the three other dudes have talked about on other shows <laughs> Um, it's a beautiful get... patchwork quilt of movie dorkery. Yeah. Why don't we um? Why don't we get into insomnia here? I'll run down the stats. It released in two thousand two. I could not believe this movie is almost twenty years old. I yeah, was I just absolutely like stunned. Yeah, it makes me sad. I don't like that. <laughs> uh, directed by, of course, Christopher Nolan. A screenplay by Hilary Seitz, based on the uh, Swedish film of the same title from nineteen ninety seven. Which, Patrick, did you check out? Yes. I watched it as well, so we have some uh, I think background I saw it like on that. Ten years ago, like I think I may have watched it after I saw it at some point. Um, and it's of course stars um, Academy Academy favorite Stellan Skarsgård. Um, uh, the Nolan but was budgeted at forty six million, uh, made a cool one hundred thirteen point eight million. Well. Uh, kind of put you know, kind of put it was kind of the film that uh, got Warner Brothers to trust him. And got obviously the very next film after this was um, Batman Begins. It was one of the reasons I was hyped on Batman Begins, which yeah. might be my only one that is ahead of Insomnia. 
And oh, wow. That was part like that. The fog chase, which I will continue to flight through the discussion of this film. Like I watched that. And then when they said he's doing Batman, I'm like, oh, you just turn that fog into darkness. And I am there day one. And he kind of I mean, we could talk about some of his tropes because he's he's so he's let me get through the Rotten Tomatoes before we dive into Nolan tropes. Ninety two percent Rotten Tomatoes score. Uh, driven, driven. This has aged well. It has. It has really, it does, it feels, I think that's kind of up when people talk about him. It's kind of the surprise that it's 20 years old is the fact that it feels quite fresh. Absolutely. It does. Um, But driven by Pacino's performance, Insomnia is a smart and riveting psychological drama. Uh, Yeah. Did well. And kind of got, yeah, got Nolan in the Warner brothers kind of taking a harder look. It at him as someone who could handle this kind of stuff and he knew it was a perfect challenge because it was a bigger budget it was at the studio for the first time and he's of course working with huge movie stars um one thing i you know one thing i wanted to say is that he feels um nolan himself feels that it's his most underrated film agreed and uh he yeah (laughs) and he feels um and he even mentioned, though, that when he saw the original Insomnia, he's like, this is very transferable and you could make it a big budget uh, Hollywood star driven thriller in the vein of Heat. <laughs> it was <laughs> that was just his pitch for seven movies. I love how much he loves Heat. Do you heat think because... he brought up Heat at any point while he was making Interstellar? <laughs> Oh, that's a good question. It's the only one where you really can't see any threads, but I feel like, Mike, you just got to look hard enough and we'll figure yeah. something out. I mean, that robot's kind of, you know, case or what? It's kind of like a Tom Sizemore-esque character. I'm very, yeah. Patrick, this is why I love you, because <laughs> when I can't figure out how to make a Tom Sizemore joke, you carry me. <laughs> Remember when there was only one set of footprints? <laughs> it's because all the other ones were making fun of Tom Sizemore. Oh, uh, my goodness. So, it does feel like it was kind of a not a comeback, but more of a like nice, Hey, we haven't seen this version of Pacino in a while performance. He's, um, he's really, I I guess we tear off the bandaid. He's really good in this movie. Yeah. And it's so like, it starts off. So it's so funny. Like, I think this is a great, like Pacino role that you can show to someone. Cause I feel like there is like a certain type of person that thinks like after Scarface, Pacino just became like sentable woman Pacino and every performance he did was like, whoa, look at me, I'm a hot dog. But like, uh, like you know, it's like every every Pacino role from Scarface. I just pictured to- him in the uh, Tim Robinson, uh, Oscar <laughs> Mayer hot dog costume. <laughs> Somebody, we gotta find out who did this. <laughs> I gotta find the culprit. I would pay, fi- Al, if you're listening, I would pay $500 to see oh. you reenact that sketch just word for word and i, I will would... donate an additional 100 dollars if you out while you are wearing the hot dog costume are also dressed as phil specter <laughs> with your fe- with your specter wig coming so out the of the wig it. is sticking out of the hot dog face yeah. as you understand oh, there's a lot of love lot of levels to that one folks but I, and i will add an additional 200 dollars if he's Ooh. uh blind like frank slade oh <laughs> So, L, that's 800 big ones that we're talking about here. <laughs> I'm about to have a baby. That's money I could use to put toward the baby. But I'm saying... 
<laughs> explain to your son or daughter uh, Hadley why you couldn't uh, take give it take her to college. And, uh, you know, we, we had this one opportunity to make him dress like a hot dog. Ha- check out when, check out when, this video. When she <laughs> yeah. looks at the oil painting of it that captured the moment above your fireplace, she will know that her dad is a hero and made sacrifices. That she <laughs> She's like, understand. well, did you at least get a chance to meet him? No, he did not want to meet us no, this at all. Cameo. Yeah. He is super tolerant of requests. Yeah. If oh that we we absolutely though if we ever do cover a actor who has a cameo, we do need to buy a cameo of them introducing our show and their season. God, what a power move! Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of like what actors on cameo. I guess like Bruce. Bruce Stern. Stern. Yes. <laughs> I I I do not hope this person is on cameo for many reasons, including my own fan- financial well being. But like. Billy Zane on cameo. We are big Zane heads. Oh yeah, the, uh, we've we've talked yeah, about that before. Yeah. Zane on the brain, man. Yeah, oh, man. We can I mean, potentially. Think we can all agree. Yeah, Billy, I mean, if you're listening, dude, come, come on the show. Come on the show. If you want three dudes to tell you you're the best in everything you're in. Yeah, man. Like, we could do three hours on just Demon Night, dude. <laughs> like, oh, duh. yeah, no, we could do like a bonus episode on the the crazy Wheel of Time pilot he like uh, directed oh, yeah. yeah so they can yes. like, keep so they can keep the rights to wheel of time whatever company so like, many was, questions oh, so man. many questions Is to it billy shipwreck island the one where he's stuck on the island with the other two people oh dead calm no that's dead calm is a that's a gen- different boat film <laughs> genuinely good billy zane movie too oh, no, that one slaps no that's a good yeah. movie yeah but, um but, but back to insomnia. I suppose. Yeah, I have a. I yeah. Speaking of this, the like, I I was reading up on it, and it's not like a totally original thought. But I coming this close after watching Heat, this was Vincent Hanna. What happened to him? Oh God! Within yeah. like, all right. Well, you've wowed me. Yeah, I, I was I, like, it popped in my head on Reddit. I suppose. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I I just felt like this is the logical conclusion. For yeah. Vincent Hanna. That's so it. Like, that's absolutely it. Yeah. Uh, it's Heat 2. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the, the sad yeah. epilogue the, to Heat. The Cinders. Yep. Ooh. That'd make for a fun double feature then. And just call it Heat and Heat 2. And yeah. People show up to the theater. You just just change out the title card on Insomnia and just flip it and just in, in you know, iMovie, you've changed it to Heat 2. No, Nolan would be thrilled. He'd be so he'd be so honored. <laughs> he sends you a, like a fruit basket. He's like, you yeah. were able to do what I was never allowed to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I thought about that, and then um, I, I I I actually this is the second time this year I've watched this movie. I watched it in January okay. as well. I've seen it. I I've it seen it summer. a handful of times over the years, and this was my first screening where I I used to really kind of like maybe almost talk myself into thinking that he was genuinely confused when he shot his partner. <laughs> and this time around from the moment they're on the airplane together flying in, I'm like, yeah, he wants to kill this guy. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and it's on his more... good. Oh no. It's just, it's clearly on his mind the he entire time. Little... I'm so bad at this. Sorry. I'm, I'll be better. Uh, he gets a little more evil every time you watch it. Was mm-hmm. all I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> And I, it's it's really interesting because he's so. The other thing I noticed too is that this is only seven years after Heat, and just how much older he seems. Absolutely. Ooh, man, he does feel like uh, just like 
especially by the end of insomnia where like the his insomnia is taking a toll on him he looks like horrifying he does look when, like when he's at the bar with the cops and nikki cat tells the terrible joke about oh, the, the, two, the two thumbs joke that was i i wrote that was it like that who likes uh yeah. getting their like balls touched and the thumbs up or rocking absolutely rock and roll what a cool what a cool dude uh well <laughs> nikki Nick, nikki cat man Oh, I'd love great. to see him in. I he's kind of fallen off, it seems, and being he he was a '90s um, kind of staple for some mm-hmm. of these. Blink later loved him. Nolan yeah. loves him too. Yeah, because um, he's in the Dark Knight, <laughs> uncredited. He's the guy um, in the big chase sequence who's in the like um, the truck that's carrying Harvey Dent. Oh really? And he's the guy who's like, "Where are these guys coming from?" You know, who's, who's <laughs> doing all the have the best line in the movie, which is, "What's that a bazooka?" Yeah, I believe that. I believe that is. I believe he is the one because he's the one who's commenting on everything that's happening. That you, you, yeah. I mean, you are seeing, which you don't necessarily need the commentary, but it's fine. Whatever. It's a summer movie. The uh, where does insomnia fall compared to you don't know jack because i do feel like there's a period where he went full craggy and eventually pulled back into sort of what we have now he um we can i can go to the filmography we have this is the weird the, uh, Pacino is like i really my i go like heat and insomnia are like my two reference points so like when we watched like you know, like when I watched The Godfather for the first time or when I watched Scarecrow, I'm always like, who is this weird handsome man pretending to be Al Pacino? Yeah. He, he, he doesn't uh, tired at all. Yeah. No, I mean, he did um, Angels in America the year after this, so he was still okay. rolling. Another thing he's fucking great in. Oh, he was yeah. still, yeah, I mean, because he did um, The Recruit was the year after this. Geely was the year after this. But he was heading into two for the money 88 minutes yeah zone up through you know because he did you don't know jack in 2010 and then jack and jill oh, that's in 2011 so jack is so much later than i thought yeah about eight years after this because it's he has that weird run where he just keeps going like hbo let's go weird the the, the, yeah. the hbo true story trilogy yeah that he did which you know i wish we had done any given sunday paired with paterno i think that, that would have been such a wild double feature <laughs> It doesn't work because you then it's less fun because you don't get to go as Buck Wild talking about every given any given Sunday. I know There's it's too much reality standing by. You're like, you know, this devastating story with no good guys and all yeah. bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other one, oh, the alligator in the bathtub, so fun. Yeah. <laughs> in the shower. The, what what if the paternal movie had a music video in the middle of it, like any given Sunday does? <laughs> <laughs> I like football. And I'm here. To- oh, it would be a very Duncanino moment, yeah. but it would be even more surreal. Uh, oh man, they're filming it. Like, guys, we cannot show this to yeah. anyone. This is a yeah. We're this is horrid. This, this is, is offensive. Yeah. We'll leave this for special features on the DVD. <laughs> It'll be like remember when they used to have like hidden features on DVD? Oh, yeah. oh my God, yes. It's, my, an Easter, uh, it's an Easter egg. Yeah. My all-time favorite little thing on a DVD, though, was when the the original Fight Club DVD that opened with the Never Been Kissed menu screen. Oh, yeah. And it was, it was such a funny idea to open with that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this one is um, – this one's really interesting. I mean, they um, 
they were looking at Pacino from pretty much the start, and Nolan did drastic rewrites, of course, once once Pacino got into it. <laughs> um, but I just to think about it as a young director because I watched the special features on my Insomnia DVD, mm-hmm. and Nolan's like thirty one. Damn. Wow. When he did this, and he looked, and Jen even wiped past by. She's like, he looks so young. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he's got a real baby face. It's just like, to like your third movie, your first studio movie, and have Al Pacino and Robin Williams be the two people you're dealing with. And Swank's in there too. Yeah. Prime. Oh, yeah. Peak and Swank. Peak Swank, if yeah. you will. But I, I think this, this has got a secret banger cast. Because yeah, you go down right? the list, I mean, Martin Donovan, who's oh. always good, he explains what, what Tenet is to us later on in the <laughs> Nolan universe. Um, but in this, he's uh, Detective Hap Eckhart, great name as oh, well. He's so good. Uh, he's great. And he really uh, makes an impact just in that, you know, he's only in the first act of the film, but um, really makes an impact. The aforementioned Nikki Cat, Paul Dooley, the kids are both really good. Mm. Um, yeah, more tyranny is really good as the uh, the hotel clerk. She's, great. She's another She's... like secret like weapon in this movie. Yeah, and uh, Hillary Swank is really really good. I'm a real in the like, film I'm too. A real Swank. I was trying to think of something that rhymed, and none of them really worked. But uh, <laughs> real real stand for Swank. Yeah, like like just consistently excellent work across the board highly underrated these days uh really well cast in this role yeah too and then she um builds the tensions to her and pacino like the level of like sustained discomfort in all of Oof. their back and forth is like so good Ugh, yeah he's doing so much i mean for a guy who's you know known as being verbal and being loud his his work with his eyes, his kind of like silent acting in this one, especially in like conversation scenes, mm-hmm. is really really top notch. Um, it makes him feel sloppy in a way that's like it's it's. I think that's to me so much of the game of this movie is it's a guy who's like trying to outsmart and get away with stuff or do things, but like never really seems like he's doing all he can to do so. Yeah, it, but you also buy that he was once super cop. Like Vincent yeah. Hanna or yeah. something like that. You do believe that that's true. It's just he's like washed. He's washed it's, up it's and he's trying to hang on. Player. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. The football guy who was the star and now he's just sort of like washed up and a little mad at everybody because he's not still the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, the, the oh, tension, go ahead. Oh, no, just to say Sorry. the tension between Swank and him and those scenes are just like in the way that like I guess like Hillary Swank will like kind of furrow her brow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Around when like things just brow. don't add a oh, million dollar brow. Yeah. And one thing that this one does we, now we can start info dropping little seeds of B when we say the original insomnia. <laughs> this one captures kind of like the human relationships a lot better. Yeah. Than the original one. The original one is a. You say what you will about Nolan. Swedish film was emotionally cold. <laughs> with, uh, with, you know, and like the differences between Stellan Skarsgård's version and Pacino's version are just startling. And it's interesting because you know me, I'm a, I'm a Bergman freak. I, I, I talk high. I am pretty well versed in all those. I stand Skarsgård. Fifties and sixties European art films. I like. I genuinely like this, the Dormer more, though. Yeah. Like, I think he's a more compelling character. I and agree, I think I agree. 
you know, the big additions, of course, are the internal affairs investigation that's not happening in the uh, original. And then also um, kind of the mentor-mentee thing with him and Hillary Swank that gets broken. Uh, you know, the character who's kind of the version of Hillary Swank in the uh, original one is just kind of a chilly detective who we barely get to know. Mm, yeah and it's like i i uh and i love like i said love skeleton because like, he's like my favorite yeah. he's my favorite uh he's my favorite a uh, weird dad in mamma mia we know yeah. <laughs> yeah well well established well established yeah I and, that, I, and he can and he's and he's been like you know he's very like cheerful and and weird and emotional in that film and it's just like there's like a part of me that wonders like whenever i see like uh like it's like is it just because like uh, i wonder like how much more clear some of the emotional stuff would be if i spoke swedish and yeah. like kind of like understood like you know so maybe there's like cultural uh like markers that i'm missing that uh, are connoted but like yeah i think part of it too is that uh like yeah al pacino uh in that you know like there's just the amount of depth his character gets to have compared to his character and like and just like a like the mania oh god like you really feel that he is losing his mind towards the end of the movie yeah he brings Absolutely. a frailty to it. Yeah. That, oh, that, that exactly. Every time he's fucking with the windows and you just see this like desperation because that's the only time you really see him crack is like this this symbolic I'm trying to keep it all covered and it, the light can't help but, but hit me is such a like great runner that like could have been really dumb and sloppy but I think like really works well because he does not hang a hat on it and I think that like just the facial work he does that is so yeah. thoroughly doing this parallel to what he's wanting to look like when he's keeping his guard up all the time talking to everybody is just such a smart tool but you can also tell like from his costumes like the black leather jacket and stuff he definitely is like this like cocky asshole or yeah. was in like the 80s or whatever <laughs> and but he's like just doesn't have it you like i like that i did the athlete yeah. analogy that you made because it definitely feels that way because he's like and he brings it on like when he talks to the kids mm -hmm. and that kind of Great. stuff he's like he's throwing it out there still like she was in a junkyard you know that kind yeah. of stuff and it's like and, and that, it's so interesting how that stuff uh reads is so like depressing like to mm -hmm. me like he looks so pathetic where it's like you're like this weird 60 year old man, like bringing a teenager to a junkyard to try to make a point. Like, yeah. like you just like, you just really, that's like the point to me where I was like, Oh man, this is just a bummer. You're like a real, like you're a loser, dude. <laughs> well, and that gets back to a conversation we had earlier about Al Pacino, maybe the greatest actor in the history of film at playing losers. Oh yes. man. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. You, so you know, or oh, people who are trying their best who are not going to win. You've blown my mind. Like that's yeah. absolutely like yeah. his his vein. Like that's such. We a... might uh, might be able to talk about it with our next film too. <laughs> there's there's no we? losers in our next film. Yeah, there's no losers in the next film. Originally film. called Upstanding Citizens, do nothing but good things. Yeah, yeah. Tom Tom Cruise got the script. He's like, I could do this. No, Tom, <laughs> no. <laughs> but you know, Tom what... Hanks is. Yeah, to get to to get though to is like the kind of the one step behind aging thing i think we should definitely talk about i i mean i i i i am not as hard uh, boy you can say this about any aspect of nolan's work but i'm not as hard on nolan's action sequences as some people are mm -hmm. but i think that this film has two of his best 
action sequences the the, the log chase and then the uh initial um the foggy um the 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 foggy confrontation we'll call it both are awesome i love the log chase though in particular and but it goes like when pacino goes under really captures the fear of like oh this would be a terrible thing to fall between these logs like uh, like a truly terrible thing oh i'll tell you what uh, when i was a kid uh, my family used to go to schlitterbahn a lot uh schlitterbahn a, yeah famously notorious water park for other <laughs> reasons deadly water coaster yeah not a kid yeah <laughs> run by a guy who should have tested his slides a little better but uh but Man, uh, i wanted I, to go as a kid so bad oh, it, oh, it, uh, i ain't afraid of no roller coaster that's mr show there was like a wave pool and i remember when i was a kid like uh it was such a crazy, it was like a wave pool, like kind of like river surrounding like a bunch of slides. And there'd just be like people on their little like inner tubes in this wave pool. And I would go in as a kid. I remember one time I was like just under like a sea of like butts, like in the inner, in the, uh, like the butts were my logs, like the, all these guys. And, and like for like a solid, like 50 seconds. Listeners, like, if you want to make us a t-shirt that says the butts are my logs. No, sea we, of butts. Sea of butts. <laughs> we're we're open to any of them. Yeah. You know. Sea of butts. Colon. The butts are my logs. Yeah, but... <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Presented by stamps.com. Yeah, a stamps.com joint. Uh, but uh, oh man. But I just remember like the fear and like oh I might. It was like it was like the first time because I was like eleven or ten and it was like the first time in my life where I was like oh I'm gonna die. Like I might die. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do- drowning when you have a even minor drowning scare it truly like it's it's a moment it's a real moment scare feels minor in the moment yeah no (laughs) not at all no this is it you're it's over i mean like i was curious though i like i found myself doing this time around when i was a kid whenever they had to do a scene like where they went underwater for an extended period of time and i had seen the movie before Mm -hmm. i would hold my breath while watching the movie to see if it was possible to hold your breath as long and i actually did it on this very screening of insomnia because i was like but as a 60 year old man in a panic situation i don't know like it what what kind of difference that would make but when we watched true lies and Arnold had to dive into the water with the explosions going over him. I also did it when we watched True Lies a few right, weeks I ago, Patrick. I'm going to need you to try for me for a scientific study, and that is Alien Resurrection's water chase scene. Oh, God. I'll have to give it a go. Uh, but I, the, that's the thing, though, was before I tried it on this one, I, had like, I knew it was coming because yep. I had seen the movie before, and I was able to take a nice, big, lower, right. lower gut breath. Al falls between those logs. He's not gonna. He's not taking a giganto breath. Oh yeah. Also, it's cold as. It's cold as hell. And he's not uh, committed to healthy living. (laughs) No, no. He's he's. Well, I mean, we know he's tired. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Interesting thing on that note, though, too, is on the special features. uh, Steven Soderbergh was one of the executive producers on this Ah. film. Uh, Let them all talk, of course, for most of season, Mm. Um, and he, because he's. I love, I love his kind of like st- always thinking about like strategy in filmmaking. I, so I think it's much. so cool. And like, <laughs> but he was talking about he's like the, the the challenge with this film. How do you present someone who's so tired but not make the audience tired? 
And I was like, you're right. You're absolutely right. And he's like, it's a delicate balance. And I was like, that's why you're Steven Soderbergh and you're thinking of these things. He's, He's thinking so much he he thinks about things that everybody else like why are you worried about this and he's like because i have to because you because you if you don't think because if it's just there then it's fine and there's no questioning of it and he like i love that i love that because he said it but he he attributed to david fincher and i think about it all the time there are 100 shots there are actually two one is right damn that is also such a Fincher ass. It's a Fincher quote. Yeah. Cause I think, yeah, like it's Soderbergh may have liked it, but it certainly well, feels like it came from Fincher. <laughs> if you say it aloud, you realize that you can actually only pronounce all those words. If you are actively grimacing at whoever's wasting your time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the only way that David Fincher speaks to people is when he is annoyed that they're wasting his time. Cause he could be making more masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could be shooting the 73rd take of Jesse Eisenberg uh, enjoying a coffee or whatever with Rooney Mara right now. It was, it was very funny when we were setting up to do my last short film, which I think both of you guys saw mm-hmm. the, um, our leading actress, she was on set. She was like, cause somebody was brought up Fincher's takes and she just looked, she goes, Oh yeah. Don would do that. If he had the money and the time without a doubt. I was like, Oh yeah. 100%. I would fall into the, I am not the William, Billy Friedkin, um, Clint Eastwood school yeah. i am 1000 percent the 50 50 take like, oh yeah like two or three you're out we're yeah done. but yeah i was talking to my brother about him yesterday because we were both uh simultaneously we're like yeah richard jewel rocks but, uh, <laughs> i still haven't seen it am i allowed to watch it yeah I oh yeah i saw it in theaters that i would have eggs thrown at me and no. it's really good it slaps dude it's it, cool. it rocks yeah it yes. rocks you've never seen a man eat a donut so sadly <laughs> oh, fuck the oh no i must see it the saddest and, and, donut eating but uh but both of us were t- he would say like okay so eastwood has this reputation everybody knows about it so it's like you're bringing your a-game yeah mm-hmm. because you're not going to get a shot and you don't want to look bad so it's like I get two tries at best. So you love a multiple takes then. Like you like I, running I, it and running it and running it. I do like I would that would be my preference. Are you and and your actors working to try to find different things as you go along? You're trying to give yourself options or are you just I, for something specific? So if or? if I I've never had the time, you know, I've like most I mean like I did one back in Seattle where we really everybody was working for free. Mm-hmm that I did, it was a, it was kind of a tough, um, we set up like a makeshift dolly. It was kind of a push in on a monologue. Okay. Uh, we did, that's the most I ever did. And I think we did 27 Damn. on that one. And, no. but yeah, I would, um, I try to like, the, like the first few, if we get them technically right, we'll do it. That was the way we planned. And then I'll kind of like whisper in either the actor's ears, kind of a thought that I want them to surprise the other one with how much and, of pre-work are you doing with your actors in a situation like that are you guys doing well the hope like- would the hope would be like we rehearsed we we had a full-scale rehearsal for um the short film because i know that we did and we'll we would do that i would my that'd be my preference 
That's I did a you know I directed most of what I've directed is like sketch mm -hmm. stuff you know like some narrative stuff but like mostly sketch and it's tough because like you don't really get to practice sketches when you're shooting them like there's yeah. not a not a day where everybody's got the water bottle and figuring out like when to fart mm -hmm. like <laughs> yeah. and so I'm I'm always fascinated by the multiple takes because I feel like I've played with it a handful of times but it's all just been some some Apatowy riffy stuff just because I'm like all right well I've got four funny people like let's see and it's never usable so I've always I kind of became like i'm a little more like three four five like a couple more and and especially like when you want somebody to get where they're trying to get you know i think that some people work better with warming up and shit like that but i'm fascinated by you know the kubricks and the finchers and stuff like that because i i'm just when you're sitting at 30 and they end up at 72 <laughs> what was the thought process i thought yeah i think like at least what i notice is like do the rehearsal and then they start to go and then you start to see like little things that they do that they are doing subconsciously like we noticed that she seemed more annoyed with him because it story-wise that's where in this little short she would be and i was like leaned over and i was like oh like like let's see a take where you um play into that a little harder just to see how that goes and then like and then with him it was like oh let's see you get a little more enthusiastic at, as she's doing that okay fun okay. or like and like and i know that i'm sure fincher like you know he like a lot of these people like fincher even going back to like robert brisson mm -hmm. gonna get arty um mm. they try and like suck the life and the acting out of it so then it comes back around the other side with completely like uh, naturalistic and that's because they're so tired basically like you know, I did a little acting over cue. I was in something where I was doing a full, like a 15 minute monologue to like to off camera, like I'm being interviewed. And it was, it was the most acty thing I've gotten to do in a long time. And it was interesting. Cause like I did probably, I just shot it over two days and I probably did 20 or so takes over the course of two days to have like four, I ended up sending to the director, but especially if work it like you know it was tough because i'm doing it by myself so it's one of those things where the best part is like when you're like seven minutes into the 15 and you fuck something up and you're just like well i'm gonna blow my brains out right now yeah but like i just think i'm super curious like what i would one day love to be in something with a director who really just like does that breakdown process because i'm so i feel like you got to learn a lot about yourself as an actor yeah just like when you've broken down all the things you were doing and are instead just letting whatever raw emotion is going uh and i think that like so is nolan a multiple like a big take no out? he's not no okay interesting no he's uh he's a little bit more like freewheeling and kind of in the moment than you would expect really him to be but yeah and he's um but he doesn't he he doesn't prolong things either he's he's because he's incredibly confident when he feels he got it yeah he like also cast incredibly well yeah but like he, there's an interview actually with him and pacino having a chat on the insomnia disc where you know pacino's asking him about reshoots and even at 31 no one's like no i have no need because i know what it is i'm certain of what it is and he talks about even storyboarding you know he goes the route of if it's an action scene well like I would imagine the both the ones we mentioned, the fog scene and then the the stuff with the logs was probably storyboarded. But, you know, he's actually almost he's one of those guys who wants to see the blocking and 
feel it out. Yeah. You know, and I, and which is, I think pretty cool. And, you know, and this one they did talk about too is Pacino and Williams have surprise, surprise. They are dramatically different prep and acting mm. styles. Like Pacino is, you know, the fierce method stuff. And Williams is the, he's doing bits yeah. up until action. It's uh see that's a flip now. Now I haven't gotten to meet Chino, got to meet Robin a couple of times. Mm-hmm. He was a pretty regular at the Meltdown Theater. And first of all, just what a beautiful human being. It was weird. So it's, uh, Jen got a chance to meet him too and said the same thing. It was such a strange yeah. thing because like, you know, he was still a regular dropping in at Meltdown like when he died. And it was weird when he died because there was a brief moment where I'm like, oh, sad. Like, he was a fun guy to have around. Like, not like, oh, my God, oh. we've lost one of America's greatest actors. But like, oh, <laughs> no, we lost a good hang at our clubhouse. He um, is um, – what a performer. I mean, God, like, I know his, like, comedy stuff is – his stand-up or whatever has certain quirks to it and some dated – certainly some dated qualities to them. But, like, just as a sheer force of nature performer, I mean yeah. – obviously oh. there's nobody like him oh man yeah no and he's so like uh it's interesting how like he doesn't really have to like change that much right? of his, it's not like he's disappearing into a character to be menacing in this no. he's pretty much just like you know he could be his fucking character in goodwill hunting in this for all i know yeah. like, panning <laughs> from hook like they have almost yeah. the same line delivery for a bunch of the movie oh man he's so um He's so sincere in like his plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, this one, I mean, you would go back to heat too. And no one probably thought about this too. The boat scene where they meet up and have their like, like the lengthy dialogue sequence. I mean, another version of that too. And, you know, they are just talking about kind of the way that they're so um, intimate. They're so close during that entire sequence. It's really an interesting the way they play off of each other is really cool and really interesting throughout yeah. the entire film. The and it's like, that, oh, please. Oh, no. And it's just like, it's another example of like, like his character is so, he's also like Al Pacino's character. Like it's a character that could have been like portrayed as like super menacing. And at times he is, but he's also like incredibly pathetic as well and he's yeah he's Pacino, very fragile he's, he's fragile super fragile and wormy and he can and, and williams captures that it is like pathetic heat it is like <laughs> just like i love that he's kind of the like like robin williams becomes kind of the bully confident alpha guy of the oh season. yeah oh, totally. it never happens to al heat scene it never happens to late al 50 50 yeah. godzilla and king kong shake hands and walk away as equals in this <laughs> yeah <one. laughs> Williams immediately from the first moment they interact on the phone, like he is coming at Pacino so hard that, and you sort of see like, Oh, this is his plan is he's going to come across so confident and so pushy that he's just going to kind of try to dazzle him. And it's interesting because like, he's kind of doing it successfully in the way that Pacino is not. So by the time you get to that boat scene, it is this weird thing of like, it, it's so rare that you see Pacino let himself be a solo status in yeah. a scene with a partner and, mm-hmm. and to just like trust somebody to, to let them have that much control over the scene without feeling like you're getting steamrolled to me is like a, kind of one of the real testaments to the acting in this movie is that it's not just all about like big and great and huge. It's those small moments where you're playing inside. Oh, ab- absolutely. I think like, 
there's a clear respect between the two of them as actors. And I, I, as a young director, having to deal with those guys and getting them that they're not out of control, that they have fully controlled performances in this film. And you have to hand it to Nolan for setting the tone for them to get to these places. And I, I, I think it's just a, um, Oh, and you got that when Williams holds up that tape recorder when, and, uh, with the wild card and, you're, oh and the look on the look on Pacino's face is just priceless of just like oh no <laughs> it's like, such a, and that's such a difficult but emotion to capture but at the same time it is maybe one of the most universal emotion is just that well I'm fucked all right yeah like, that's the last thing has fallen where are we going now because I'm done and I guess um so I, I think um, I really love the ending of this film. I think it everything plays perfectly in kind of a the way you want kind of like a Hollywood adult drama thriller mm-hmm. to kind of like conclude. Like everything has like a nice finish line for each of the characters and kind of even the the moral themes it's, of it the film that are satisfying. So super satisfying. So I guess the studio didn't want to kill Pacino, and they were adamant about it. Even wow. though Nolan and Soderbergh and Pacino, Pacino in particular, was apparently like, "They want you to do an alternate." You know, it's like. <laughs> and so what Nolan said, which was really interesting, is that they shot it. They shot an alternate ending, but his. What he said he learned in that moment was that um, you have two options. If you don't shoot the alternate ending, the studio will always wonder. Yeah. But if you have it, they'll just forget about it because yours will play better because you were right. Yeah. And they'll just like, okay. And he's like, it never, we made, we shot it and it has never was once inserted into the edit. Sometimes it's easier to be subversive by being a team player. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, and he also said too that um, Soderbergh really was his guardian angel God, throughout the entire process because so because um, Nolan saw the original Insomnia and he rightfully felt that like he's like I think if they do a remake of this I'd be this would be right up my alley for the kind of thing I would want to do and um, he he couldn't get a meeting with Warner Brothers this was before Memento came out okay but it would it was done but it hadn't come out yet. It felt like Memento had no heat before it came out, which is so crazy. Cause yeah. now I it, feel like they couldn't that sell it moderately good immediately is hailed as the second coming of Christ. And it's crazy when you look at like Memento, cause it's, it's, you know, it's a Canon movie for American cinema at this point, for better or worse. Like yeah. it is a movie that they, sh- I saw Memento five times in film school. Cause <laughs> every professor's like, it's backwards. Yeah. Uh, and, and, it's Oh no, so I saw it. I saw it in the theater and um, so all my friends were like, Whoa. But it was done for a year. It took a year to find distribution. God damn, that's they, crazy. And it couldn't and it couldn't get into Sundance. Wow. Like, and they were really um, you know, he said it was a real kind of truly scary time it's because he's time like, this is the best thing I could have done. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And they just didn't get it, but Soderbergh saw it. Like, and he was and he went straight to Warner's. He's like, this guy. It's got something. 
this guy yeah. is doing what I did. Yeah, except, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. And it's and so they were like, and him and Clooney said that they would come on as named executive producers to support him. And uh, you know, he had a because Soderbergh had a real obviously he has a real top to bottom feel for every aspect of the movie industry, but he oh. could kind of deal with, uh, he had already done oceans at this point. So he was, um, you know, in business in this area. Again, one of, one of the, a move that I did not understand for a long time, the older I get, the more I appreciate it is like this guy who has been, you know, one of the greats of, of indie film and establishing nineties indie film and being this kind of weird experimenter and stuff. And he's like, by the way, I'm going to make the best Hollywood film ever. Uh, I'm gonna make a perfect Hollywood celebrity film. It's gonna star a bunch of famous people who will look great, and every person on earth will like it. Yeah. yeah. And and then I'm gonna do Bubble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, Jen and I were even talking about it earlier today. We were talking about side effects. His attempt at like a Fatal Attraction type late '80s, early '90s. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, uh, scary lady cucked dudes kind of uh movie is that, is that his first chaining tatum joint no second like no, they i i think they had done magic mike right yeah, already yeah. and we we i mean not to i guess we can have a bit of a love fest here we're almost done with insomnia but um logan lucky is a terrific yeah, blast of a movie that we have turned into a yearly watch yeah, I'm due for another watch on that because that is, it's just, uh, it's almost become like, it's like, I just always want to do like Ocean's Eleven and then Logan Lucky just back to back. It's kind of just, you know, that's almost the more fun thing to think of as a sequel. And I like the other two sequels, the Logan Lucky. Oh, I like them all. Better, you know, it's like, we split it. I can, Al, yeah. Al Pacino, of course, in Ocean's 13. I can watch a, I can watch a one-armed item driver make cocktails all day. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, and, yeah. Like, and Daniel Craig basically play a character that's essentially Cotton Hill from King of the Hill. <laughs> yeah. Essentially just playing Hank Hill's grandpa. It father. was such a delight to see him do that part because it's just like, oh, you want to get funky. The world does not let you get funky. Oh, yeah. And now you finally get a chance to do so. <laughs> when he, I like Casino Royale, but I'm not a big Bond guy. And so I kind of fell off and he's just so intense that I was like, I don't know if I need more of these. That first one gave me a low grade heart attack. And then like slowly <laughs> watching it. Oh, like Daniel Craig's got that real like cool guy who then comes over to your Magic the Gathering game on weekends. Yeah. Like the uh, famous Hollywood like D&D parties. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, feels like he's at those and then just like that nobody knows that that this is where he likes to party and hang out is like yeah kids in the hall sketches with a bunch of dorky people yeah yeah he can quote mr show yeah. like deep deep mr <laughs> show cuts he's, he's playing yeah. like Ma he's playing magic the gathering with vin diesel yeah 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 <laughs> i oh boy this is this is definitely our episode but i'm gonna say that vin diesel making a movie based on his dungeons and dragons character which I what was the, the last the um, flex of all flexes. Yeah, truly. Oh, the I last mean, witch hunter, the last yeah. witch hunter. Yeah, Oh man. God That's... bless him. Dude rules. Oh, no, he's left. Yeah. yeah. Whenever like, yeah, like eh, the, the amount of confidence that man has in himself. Like if you've seen like the poster for yeah. strays where it's like <laughs> him, like looking cool as like, I'm cool as hell. I'm smoking a cigarette. If you can, God bless you. Well, that's what separates the Fast and the Furious series in general is the fact that his genuine, sincere belief that what he is making <laughs> is like Godfather level work. Yeah, and 
he has forced that into being the truth. Yeah, that's the I know. Amazing part. He willed a yeah. beloved American franchise into existence with his bare hands. What started off as a basically point a point break, yeah, remake. Yeah, you know, turned the into only point break rip, uh, point uh, break rip uh, remake. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the only one. Yeah, yeah. No, you're the ones, only yeah. successful one, certainly. Yeah, the only one that exists as far as yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah, Luke Bracey? Who? Huh? Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stunt guy? What? 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 Point Break, also a perfect film, as we all know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Insomnia is a. I agree. I think it's. I think it's no, because it isn't. It's Nolan's least flashy movie, but I think he, that's why I like it. It's really, it's really, really good, and it's still, but it still gets to play in kind of Nolan's sandbox of a lot of pet themes. Yeah. Too. You know, and things he's interested in. And I think he brings like an extra level, like one of the few remakes from a foreign language film that I think kind of takes the basis and expands on it in some really nice ways. Absolutely. And I think Al's really, really good in this film. You know, this is going to be a really tough it's hard. conversation when we get down to it after we talk about our next film. They're but so different. That's the hardest part here is that they are just polar opposites of performances. Well, and also, I mean, frankly, you know, insomnia is like kind of the picture of the modern adult drama. Yeah. yeah. And Scarecrow is the picture of the 1970s version Ooh. of what the adult drama was <laughs> yeah, you know and, and you know and insomnia is clearly a very tightly wound well-crafted story and plot scarecrow is a character study through and through with you know good ass segue peeps i'm calling it out but peeps <laughs> of uh plot but yeah. you know <laughs> an amused plot technically yeah, yeah there are there are things that happen in it but it really is more just about like watching these two complicated guys go about their their failed dreams in a have way you, how much reading did you do on the set uh the temperature of the set on scarecrow uh you know if nolan's final products are chilly the set of Scarecrow may have been chillier. <laughs> um, Hot tempers. A lot of, I mean, this is, okay, so yeah, that was Insomnia. We'll, yeah. we'll jump into, you know, I think we all agree, and we liked Insomnia yeah, quite a bit, and we thought Al Pacino was really good in it, and I think it's, um, it might not be the flashiest of Al that we've seen so far, but it's damn solid, so I think it's a competitor. Uh, um, but moving on to 1973's Scarecrow, directed by Jerry Schatzberg. Second appearance from Jerry Schatzberg. He also directed The Panic in Needle Park. Uh, written by Gary Michael White. Uh, we absolutely have to call out the cinematography by Vilmo Sigmund, which is one of the highlights for me of the film. I thought it was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, made $4 million at the box office. I do not have any numbers surprisingly enough of how much it costs to make it, this film from what i understand it was a pretty catastrophic commercial failure yeah it was a massive flop uh, that's that's absolutely true uh especially hackman was only two years removed from the french connection and uh one year removed from the godfather part one for al pacino after this movie uh, hackman because this was his attempt at doing a new hollywood art movie and after it failed, he was like, I'm only making commercial pictures. It's interesting. Wow. Interesting. Um, 
It did win the Cannes Film Festival in 1973, though, tied for a victory there. And of course, it does. Fans of European cinema saw good things in this. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, yeah. If, I, I mean, obviously, if you're a fan of things like Tulane Blacktop or the last movie, which I am, so I like it, but we'll get to that. Um, it does have a massive kind of cultish following of people who really from the dead really worship this film um i did read that uh got it gained such a cult following by the 2000s that schatzberg in his 80s hired someone to write a sequel that was complete that was written in 2013 whoa it'd be set years later with max and computer worker lion reuniting and lion learning his son is alive holy shit uh computer worker computer worker this this is this is the more interesting one the film sequel was made difficult if not impossible though by the studio's lack of support in 2013 surprise surprise <laughs> and uh gene hackman of course being retired as an actor by that I'll point throw this out i feel like by 2016 if they had held on they're like it's an intellectual property we own get a sequel out yeah the uh, uh the scarecrow extended universe yeah oh, oh. uh i, I just Lion I, I, man the movie about his son that they spin off after that <laughs> Yeah. I noticed uh, I noticed that uh so Insomnia is a Warner Brothers joint uh and I saw like the Space Jam 2 movie like they have all this Warner Brothers IP like the plot oh. of Space Jam 2 is like uh like we're in a you're stuck in a computer game with a bunch of Warner Brothers IP and so like one of the IPs is that the plot I, I, I'm not I've even not watched the trailer. It's bad. It's so bad. But it's like it's basically like you're they're stuck in an evil video game filled with like Warner Brothers. IP. I, I decided I didn't want to see it when I saw in like the press release. They're like including the Casablanca universe, the Casablanca <laughs> no, universe. <laughs> no, dude, Barry Lyndon is in it. There's like a, he's like he's hanging out with Jack, the Jack Nicholson Joker. Like, so they were, like <laughs> they were just like, what if we did Ready Player One, but more cravenly greedy? Like, yeah, with, yeah, with just I, our bullshit. Per- <laughs> oh yeah, oh, I had Giant is like a totally ruined like. So you're sa- you're you're saying that Max and Lion could be in Space Jam That's too? If it's a Warner okay. Brothers joint, I'm imagining they could be. I know definitely. I bet the I bet Al Pacino's character Insomnia or Robin Williams is. Well, uh, he he was a Warner Brothers, so Neil and. Uh, Neil and Vincent what could be in there. What I've said is if Maybe. I get LeBron James and Bugs Bunny together, I need some heat references. <laughs> <laughs> because the world is chaos. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, nostalgia has gotten out of hand. Oh, we'll put yeah. it that way. No, the, the fact that, like, whenever I, whenever I see, like, the Iron, whenever I see the Iron Giant in a movie that's not the Iron Giant, and immediately I'm like, oh, this will be bad. Well, <laughs> they did turn him into a gun, despite his last request. <laughs> It was fun to see him as they, uh, in a fun scene where we all got to feel nostalgic, watch them undo the whole point of the movie. (sighs) Why are you doing this to me? I can still feel. (laughs) Yeah, man. It's it's crazy to me that that's the one time Brad Bird didn't yell at anyone. Yeah. Or maybe, I think it, I feel like it must be out of his hands because like, how prominently the Iron Giant was also featured in the Space Jam 2 trailer. Like Jesus Christ. Oh, it's so bad. It's like I feel like it must be out of Brad Bird. Like he has no he must have no stake in that proper. Like it was one of those things where like he just doesn't have the rights to that 
to that thing anymore. Fuck it up because if you're gonna do an Iron Giant thing, bring in Harry Connick Jr.'s beatnik character. Yes, that guy's slap. That guy's cool yeah. as hell. I love that's that's a, that's the- a that's a good looking parent couple, like him and then Jennifer Aniston playing Hogarth's mom. Like you wanted to get them together. Oh, yeah. from Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, okay, let's get back. I'm sorry. No, but it is there is like kind of a bitter vibe of us talking about Space Jam too, because it when we're trying to talk about Scarecrow, uh, which is the ex- pretty much the exact opposite end of the spectrum from what the Warner Brothers film the Warner Brothers film company could release Uh, I mean yeah I mean Scarecrow we were joking about before we got there kind of is the checks all of the boxes of 1970s New Hollywood oh yeah uh, filmmaking I think I've ever seen and it I yeah it's it really it really is up there and it's I mean like I, I'm I'm actually I am and I have been for a while in the camp of thinking this is a truly great film, okay. but it is like, I mean you know Jed would say that is a Don movie though. Yes, it is, very is much a Don movie. This like is, this is a Don ass movie. Yeah, like two two dudes hanging out, hoping for something, kind of meanders, and then ultimate. The horrific, horrific tragedy. <laughs> and that's I think my like while I was watching it because like I would say that I liked didn't love this movie, mm-hmm. and it was interesting watching it because on paper it's everything I like in a movie, and it was tough to sort of like wrap my head around what it what was or wasn't, and some parts would be really cooking. Like I think the entire chunk where they are in prison oh, is man. phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, when. when... God, when Piccino comes in with his face all mashed in, that's that was, absolutely devastating. That was like, the moment where uh, Insomnia's definite vote for me got shaky. Is that that whole run of scenes, like, and then just the, the the fight scene that Hackman has with that guy, and the fact that they shoot it from a crane. Oh, it's awesome! I was just like losing my mind. I'm like, this is amazing. Everything, yeah. what, like, why why are we not ripping this off left and right? This is <laughs> this is an iconic way, like, fight. Like, oh yeah. He's, Fucking him up. The sound mix at that point. Where oh, they the, just mm, amplify the every hit. when he's on top of him on the haystacks. And the yeah. one where he hits him and then like moves him to another position so he can hit him harder from a softer <laughs> spot. And you're oh, just like, God. that's like that's somebody who has actually fought someone <laughs> talking about how to fight something. Yeah, the, the, those punches sounded so wet. Like it yeah. was like, yeah, those were some wet punches. Uh, it was like they he was like someone like the foley artist was punching like a like recently defrosted chicken thighs yeah, or a something. Moved up ham steak. Uh, exactly. <laughs> oh man, but like, and it's so funny too because for me, like, uh, I wasn't on board with Al Pacino's performance like I very initially like the first yeah. like half hour of this movie it reminded me of like have you ever seen Dan Klein's like parody stand-up special maybe he has like this parody stand-up special and there's like the scene it's like he does like a it's like a parody of every bad stand-up special and there's like a scene where he's like he's hanging out in like the the back room like three minutes before air showtime and it's like him with his like posse his entourage style posse or whatever and he starts like 
taking like random things and like doing horrible like uh like improv sh- shticks where like he'll he takes like a beer can and he's like oh beer can oh, does he like, do oh, like a uh, banana as a phone or something yeah like he does that. like yeah he does like yeah beer can as a phone he does his wallet as a phone and it's like very like and everyone's just like laughing like it's the funniest thing ever <laughs> excellent it's so good look up I would, it's called i would love a sketch where it was just a series of like this guy trying to be funnier and funnier at a party but he's just great. It's all the phone. The phone yeah. It's yeah. all the phone. They never, there's never a <laughs> you, then you would love the first like three minutes of this Dan Klein special because it is like, it's very good. Uh, this is comedy Dan Klein, but, uh, but uh, Al Pacino has that energy. It feels like a little bit in the beginning where it's like, it feels like every like object, like there's like that one part with the lie detector and he's like, Oh, hello. Hello. Like, uh, he just, it just it feels like he's like, his character is very, but then he realized towards the end, Oh, that's just like, how his character copes like yeah yeah and it's hanging on by um a thread yeah it turns out like terrible trauma in prison uh well and then um oh yeah but and he's like oh this isn't fun anymore i'm not happy yeah well yeah. i mean like but that's the interesting thing is like karina longworth in the anatomy of the actor book she brought up that uh she thinks that he smiles more in this movie than he does in any other film and it is a different it really is a different side of him and i think like what you were saying patrick when i was watching it this time around too because we've watched a few now to see him that kind of childlike and jovial Mm -hmm. in the first half hour first 45 minutes of this movie is kind of it's off it's not that it's bad it's just so different from the pacino the alpha dog pacino that you know and gene hackman of course is kind of the alpha role in this film we're used to seeing him play losers but he's playing a schmo in this yeah oh, yeah that's a good way to put it yeah yeah it's like yeah it's like a you're talking about mice and men and this is like a mice and men with like two lennies and yeah one of the yeah. lennies is just a huge asshole like <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Gene Hackman, it's like, yeah, he's like, like, yeah, mean Lenny, evil Shrek, like, that's, his character's <laughs> big evil Shrek, Shrek was just, like, totally irredeemable and a dumbass. And, you know, guys, I mean, on, you know, talking about Gene Hackman, that was my biggest thing when I watched this movie, I was like, Al Pacino's good, but I think that Hackman is, oh. like, absolutely like it's a monumental performance (laughs) part of judging pacino in this yeah i know hackman is so good i kept reminding myself that we're specifically voting on that like yeah Uh, yeah. performance in this movie because i kept going like man like like gene hackman's great this movie's really cooking i'm like (laughs) i can't these can't fall into account and al i mean al gets the second half of the movie gene hackman kind of is the you know really driving force in the first half i do have a question for both of you um, there are two scenes that I look at in this movie where each actor kind of gets their big moment where you sort of see the, the, both the, the other side of them comes out. And with Hackman for me, it's the scene where he causes the scene in the bar, but then ends up doing the striptease. Thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was interesting watching that because it, you know, up to that point, he's so fucking unpleasant and he's such an asshole to everyone and everything. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, he can turn it on. This is how this man has not been murdered his whole life, is that he can just flip it into charming when he needs it, but chooses not to, which makes him a worse human. He's then, um he's doing it for Lion, though. Yeah. And because Lion, I this is gonna sound so cheesy. Lion has lost his laugh. 
yes by that point in the film and Hack, and max has kind of found his well it's like he stole it from him yeah like, oh that's honestly, a good one. yeah yeah like he fucking like yeah ripped it but, I mean, from him that scene ends with that long shot of pacino and by the jukebox watching the dynamic shift yeah, yeah. exactly and then I almost I pair that with the fountain scene, which yeah. is the most uncomfortable scene in this entire movie. Oh, horrifying! Uh, and it's crazy because it it I think it drove home Pacino's performance for me mm-hmm. because he's been, you know, has a journey, but is the steadier one of the two. You know, he's been mm-hmm. having to kind of like clean up like Hackman's messes, and then there's something about you watching him not just like break but like full tilt disconnect like lose it and watching hackman then have to come after him and there's almost an extra layer of terror there where you're like oh he can't take care of al like 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 he can't take care of lion in the end like lion has to be the one doing the care and and there's such a like lonely emptiness when you realize that like oh no one can like like people save Gene Hackman's character all the time and no one can save Lion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, it, and it goes from yeah. an interesting to a haunted performance in a way that really co- recolors the entire way you watch the rest of the movie. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, that entire ending sequence that, and then of when Gene is at the hospital and Pacino's in the bed. And then um, I, I can't think about just like the fact that it ends just with him frust- like frustratingly slamming his boot. Yes. on the counter and i'm like that sums up this t- like just yeah also, that's like, the most 70s oh, film ending in the history of yeah. recorded anything oh, God, thrilling man. i loved it of course <laughs> <laughs> using yeah using his boot money and then like he can't even like he can't even be nice about like helping his one friend he has to like take out his anger on this poor lady by like cleaning his weird boot <laughs> like honestly, like, can't even do that in a nice way. Like, just this this evil Shrek of a man. Uh, <laughs> they're both they're both incredible characters. I yeah. mean, oh, yeah. I, I obviously like you could see how quickly Hackman and Pacino would want to do these two characters because yeah. they are really are just terrific. And I mean, yeah, I guess on the record, both have said that it's one, they both consider that movie, one of their top acting performances in the history of their career. And, and I, I, that's I super interesting. I know that Pacino actually dropped in unannounced at the new Beverly. The last time Scarecrow played. Oh, and, and I was, I was so because I was going to try and go. Cause I'd never God seen damn. Scarecrow on the big screen. And, you know, and I know that he said initially that it was the most disappointing artistic experience i think they were both they hated each other yeah and just very different actors uh gene hackman didn't like al pacino and everyone else didn't like gene hackman (laughs) yeah yeah that's which you know gene hackman uh, i i think obviously he's one of the you know same same levels al same levels meryl streep i mean this is you know one of all-time kings but um you know pretty notoriously uh tough yeah like and not tough and like of the replacements That's yeah the one time i look in his career and go like how are you a dick on this set i yeah. mean you I heard, like for me it's you like heard stories Orlando that he, jones you better not have you heard stories he was rough on royal tenenbaums that he was you know i mean he was rough yeah but i mean if you're 
Gene Hackman and Wes Anderson is trying to tell you to do something, before you even listen to him, you're already giving him a wedgie and going, I'm sorry, you're the director. You're just such a little pipsqueak. I want to uh, beat you to death. But I think, I just, like, I can, only Hack- imagine, I can only imagine the horror stories on the Welcome to Mooseport set. Which, you know, I mean, obviously caused him to just say, fuck, fuck this, I'm done. I'm fuck done. you, Romano. Fuck you acting, I'm out. And I, I, I did actually, I think I did hear that he was, like, particularly kind of mean to Ray Romano. Wow. Which is interesting because Ray Romano has like developed under the tutelage of Scorsese into a, a very fine actor. character actor. Oh, <laughs> like, dude! Men of a certain age fucking slapped, by the way. And spent almost a decade kicking it with Peter Boyle. Yeah. Oh, oh speaking yeah, not, of, speaking know, New Hollywood Kings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I want to live in a world where Peter Boyle is headline, a guy like Peter Boyle is headlining movies again. Right. Like, I I guess you can only trust like S Craig Zoller to make Joe again or something like that. Yeah. He's like Vince Vaughn is Joe. Well, that is always, I can't believe that hasn't been on the, I can't believe that's not on the table. Frankly, S Craig Zoller remaking Joe with Vince Vaughn playing Joe. I think that that's actually, that'd be pretty cool. (laughs) <laughs> I I'll be I'll be I I need to rewatch uh what's that movie he made where like Brawl. he's like the the yeah the, the brawl and yeah like 99. yeah it's oh. like I will say like I love the I watched like the first twenty minutes of it and I never finished it because I love that first oh, ten minutes girl, you gotta see the end of that movie because like when you la- to me you see the end the last the- half hour is uh, quite the experience <laughs> uh, like, I had to rewind co- a couple of things to make sure I didn't just hallucinate. The titular uh, Cell Block 99 makes its appearance in the last half hour. You can't name the movie something else because it's all you're going to talk about. The the movie otherwise is called The Other Stuff, I guess. (laughs) I will say, I hope uh, uh, Craig Zoller directs like a Street Fighter movie, the way Vince Vaughn breaks that car. Yeah. Yes. 100%. That's a 500-hand slap, if you ask me. Yeah, get get in there like... uh, you know, cast uh, Vince Vaughn as uh, M. Bison. I want to see it. Make it happen. No, no, no. He's a Kuma. I, 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 I actually did. Uh... Good. I broke him. Uh, I'm a broken man. <laughs> I have a, a bit in my act right now that's about the beating up the car from Street Fighter. So, like, I have, like, a weird amount of Street Fighter just living in my head these ah. days. Uh, uh, nice. But anyway, back to Scarecrow. We should also bring up um, Penelope Allen, who played the lead bank teller in Dog Day Afternoon, plays Lion's wife in a single oh, scene sequence. In perhaps one of the most emotionally devastating yeah. phone calls, like oh man, that you'll ever see. Pacino plays it so well, not breaking during it. And, yeah. But what he is hearing and the almost hat on hat level of stuff she is throwing at him. Uh, <laughs> and the absolute shattering moment of seeing the lamp left behind. Yeah. Like after all the time with the lamp, because he didn't know if he had a boy or a girl. So he bought him a lamp. Classic lion if you ask me <laughs> like <laughs> it's it i i think this movie is wonderful i think it's so sad 
and so beautiful and so kind of slice of life mm-hmm. stuff is so enjoyable to me. I mean, I, 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 you know, I can see it's not, it's not everyone's certainly not everyone's cup of tea, I found you know, it a little long was my mm-hmm. only issue with it is I think if like, I think if it had the exact same pacing, but maybe one of the early vignettes got tightened up or something like that. I think yeah. that 25 minutes out of this film and it's, and it's an American seventies classic, but I think like, it's a little, it's too long to be that sad. <laughs> if you if you like if you cut out that one i, I believe I, I am looking at the poster right now and i believe it says that on the poster your <laughs> kyle clark says too long to be that sad <laughs> raves kyle clark <laughs> <laughs> now but like it, i think it's like if you cut out that one scene in the bar where like there's like that angry lady and then he ends up like yes. having like sex with that lady. like if you cut out That's that one like too. then i think you almost have like a perfect uh that's like yeah that's like that, that that i feel like the part where you're just like kind of like doodling around with this guy uh it does get feel a little they, they like, burn a little goodwill a little too much goodwill for to because i think like the second half there's so much stuff that you need to be very much on on for mm-hmm. and kind of present for and i think like mm-hmm. It's that's that's like my because I, I think it's a, a very, very well-made movie. And I think it's definitely something that's that's worth watching because it's it's definitely like a little lost classic. And the the so much the two performances in it are phenomenal. But it's definitely oh, yeah. one of those ones where like by the time you're to the fountain and to your you're to those other things, Oof. like there is a little bit of you just going like well, it's getting pretty late. Uh yeah. <laughs> and it and it's I mean yeah, after I mean if you if you thought it could emotionally get tougher after the prison scene <laughs> it does yeah. <laughs> God, that and the prison scenes oh so good that whole chunk yeah man thrown in to getting out is to me like when the movie is truly begins to sing i i love the denver sequence with uh coley and um frenchy as well I think I, that emotionally anchors in a really, really smart way. And the two of them are given great performances that I think yes. are, are really those two actresses have to do so much table setting because the other guys are so emotionally messed up that you kind of have to have them give the audience some, a way to wrap your mind around these two weirdos you've been following around on a dirt road till now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like kind of the um the unsaid stuff that's going on with those two. Ladies too. I love that. Oh, because their coolie performance just riddled with darkness. <laughs> yeah, and Frenchie's like, I don't know why they call me Frenchie. You know, it's just like her entire like, how did you get that name? Story. It's just, I just, all of them. These are just sad, lost people. Oh, they totally. Top oh, to bottom. Next door to the last picture show. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, when they're all like eating like uh, KFC together, mm-hmm. what a grim, what a ah. grim moment. Yeah, and he's like burping all the time yeah. like just like evil shrek he's just an evil shrek and like people have to like like laugh at him and because like they're all like a little afraid of right. him yeah. they're, they're afraid of this evil shrek of a man and like it's just it's so grim it's a very grim it's grim stuff and it's, i imagine they, have you guys ever been in a situation like that though where like one person is kind of holding a room hostage Ooh, yeah like that's that was what i was just and I it's I love that scene because it's so it's played so real. And I feel mm-hmm. like 
you know, many people in their lives have had that moment where you're just like, oh, I'm in a situation where like one person holds all of the cards and we're all just sort of rolling because we're terrified. Yeah, like you got to just laugh at whatever he does and like act like he's like a normal person. <laughs> what he's doing <laughs> is normal. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's like, I think, yeah, he's 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 a bully. Yeah. And he's he's a rough guy, but I think he is charismatic. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, he is, you could see, especially somebody who's as lost as Lion. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, he's not hanging out with anyone who's going to challenge him. Well, I think that's the thing, too, is, like, in the land of, like, you know, the blind, like, the one-eyed man is king. It's, like, very, like, that sort of thing where, like, in the land of, like, just, su- like, supremely broken people, the person who's, like, least broken or, like, yeah. is, or can break the most, you know what I mean? There, there's almost a little bit of like the master dynamic in this. Ooh, oh, yeah, yeah. Just, mm. just two people who are kind of like living a life together, but also can't live a life together. I've never heard him mention it, but I would imagine Paul Thomas Anderson is a fan. Yeah, of this film. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it very much, and I think just because I had PTA on my mind from my podcast episode recently, but I definitely like had a little bit of that of like. Oh, like there is like a weird, like a love that, you know, instead of in, you know, in that movie where it's, it's outside factors and here it's like two people who like don't even know how friendship works, but understand that if they did, this person might be their friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, um, I think that the, yeah, all that, I think the master is such a spot on actually more I think about it. Like what a, what a, um, Maybe a rough double feature, but rewarding. Yeah, double feature. You, uh, yeah, you walk out of that, and it's it's uh, you just sit in a Denny's quiet for a while, and they keep yeah. asking you to stop smoking cigarettes inside this Denny's. <laughs> cools, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> that would have to and be then cools. You strip and dance, and they let you stay. Yeah, oh, this guy's great. Get him a grand slam. Uh, you know, not to get too into. I mean, I, you know, like most people feel the masters a um, kind of peak of cinema of the last 20 years. Interesting. Um, it's, it's actually my number one Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Hmm. Um, and I, but somebody brought up the other day, just the shot of Hoffman riding the motorcycle in the desert. And they're like, is this the most pure cinema ever? <laughs> and I was like, could be, could be. <laughs> <laughs> That's because there's a, there is a Venn diagram of movie people and people who look like Philip Seymour Hoffman who see that guy on the motorcycle and just in the theater mouth. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> <sighs> uh, if I Amazing. shave my beard, that could be me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I, just, I think it's such a, I, I think it's such a terrific, terrific film. The Master, and I, and also I think Scarecrow is a really terrific film. I hadn't seen it for about fifteen years, though, so it was like it felt felt pretty new to me. I will say, around. like I, I I really like this film. I think I like I like it a little more uh, than Kyle, and maybe a little less than Don. But I what I like about like this definitely mm. seems like a because he made this out. Uh, this is the next film he made after the Panic of Meadow Park, correct? No, this was right after the Godfather, if I'm not mistaken. Oh no! I'm talking about uh, no! I'm talking about Jerry Schatzberg. Oh yes, I believe this was Director. the fall. His, yeah, this was yeah. his next film. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wild that he made this after The Godfather, number one. And, double and, check that just man, for the sake of the fans who might be doing your first movie favor. 
Yeah. Like that's when you're making your second movie and your lead guy went and did that and comes back. That means that you guys were friends that first time around. But not, <laughs> but not again. It, from what I understand that they, well, they had, they had a falling out as well. That, that movie's failure seemed to have just really hit every single person who worked on it brutally hard. Like, they all, I think it sounds like they all really worked hard at it and they all believed that they were yeah. making a really special film that it took something away from everybody when it failed. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I mean, Pacino didn't really, I mean, just kind of like looking back, I mean, you know, his very next film after this was Serpico, same year. Wow. And when then it becomes the, Pacino after this movie, ostensibly. Yeah. 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 He starts and kind of leans like, you know, because I was reading that Godfather he one, he's not quite there yet. He's still <laughs> you see those in these those fir- the first three movies, like a handsome young actor trying to make it. And then by the time you get to Serpico, it's like, oh, Al Pacino is in movies. Yeah, he's a movie yeah. star. He's just yeah. like and he's kind of accepting being a movie star. Yeah. I think he was having like as anybody would, you know, you're nobody. And then the Godfather comes out. and You're a sensation. Um and Serpico it's is probably a lot to deal to with after the Godfather too, because or like the Godfather as well, because like you're so straight in that you're so dressed a certain way that then immediately getting to go just into like full, like put a drug rug on me. Mm-hmm. And plus uh, he's the center of attention in Serpico. Yeah. I mean, he's the title character like Godfather. He's part of an ensemble. I did read that as much as he didn't want to admit it. He felt that perhaps instead of Marlon Brando, he should have been nominated for leading actor. As <laughs> 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 so much as like you like, because you know, thinking about kind of like I don't know, like the somebody like Pacino who puts on kind of a front of being a very pure in it for the art actor. Yeah, even they can't really like not still want to be like yeah you know you know and there's a fucking godfather i feel like you do get a level of like look i don't want to sound like a dick but i was just the lead in a movie that changed cinema forever (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah the greatest movie since citizen kane (laughs) Uh, when people talk about the movies uh my face pops up yeah the abstract idea of motion pictures and my visage are one and the same at times and you know i mean god only knows what that does to a person oh, no, nothing good that is yeah <laughs> absolutely oh, yeah. nothing yeah. good comes from that definitely brain poison <laughs> yeah I, I mean, yeah just to and to be kind of like i mean uh, obviously we'll be talking about godfather in a few weeks but um in pretty in pretty in depth the you know the whole series <laughs> but uh you know to go from being kind of like a unknown stage actor who all of the people at paramount basically we're like why didn't you cast robert redford to coppola because you know i don't know if you all noticed in both these films pacino's pretty short <laughs> and yeah. and they they did not see him as a uh traditional leading man because he's I think a, he invents an archetype yeah well him and um dustin hoffman yeah. in the same time period kind of were the joint pillars of the and untraditional leading man watching right. this you see him and Hoffman are so in the same lane and then it is wild how much they differ once they sort of start rolling. Mm -hmm. I I was thinking about this. It is interesting to think this is just me going larger on your guys' run here is like the run that you get from like Serpico to Scarface is such an interesting thing because it's like an evolution from like 
this is this is what he does to like this is a mad magazine-esque parody of of his acting style <laughs> it's i mean and he, i think that almost all of them i think de niro actually took the longest because i think you could point to analyze this mm-hmm. as kind of de niro's first move into kind is of par- before or after rocky and bullwinkle it's before, before. That, that was his right, first that right was his first that. comedy that, type okay. thing yeah it, outside of like if you want to say midnight run which has got, got which we firmly pl- i think firmly place still in the yeah, that's res- a good movie. respectable de niro yeah i like that respectable de niro is a great way to put that <laughs> well yeah. it's not it's not dirty grandpa yeah i mean but you know like he had he and you know Meryl Streep is obviously the master of like the continued consistent run of this, but like guys like Pacino, Nicholson, and Hoffman kind of like had this like 10 12 year window where they're really at their peak, but by the end of it, they were kind of had fallen into their moves, yeah, in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know, you go from Hoffman and like the graduate to Hoffman and like marathon man. And like, you are watching like some of the like natural charm that came for the performance be replaced by sort of like, I've been doing this a while technique. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's still good. Uh, I, I like marathon yeah. man. I think he's still very good. Oh, yeah, for sure. But yeah, he's like crazy ego thing where he tried to beat up Lawrence Olivier though. So it's definitely like apex Hoffman being full of himself. Would be, you know, and, and that was like the, yeah, I I know Pacino had his moments of not leaving the trailer and rewriting and stuff like that. And you know, I mean, I always like the uh, stories about Nicholson. They were like, no, he was never a problem on set, and you know, he's he rolls with it. But the thing that Jack does is Jack goes, "You're gonna have to pay me." Jack was all the money was what made Jack different was that he was never gonna take a pay cut. He was never gonna like. Um, and once he got his like, like when they were putting Chinatown together, it was like all these old friends from like 68, 69, 70. And all of a sudden, Jack had won best actor at one for Cuckoos. And yeah, they, they're they like, oh, Jack, are you just going to help us out with this? He's like, no, you're, you're paying my, my, yeah, for my full rate. <laughs> I, I, I like money. Yeah. I, like, I can't quite place why when I like hear nicholson doing that i'm like fuck yeah get it and then when i hear robert downey jr do that i'm like dying a fire like and <sighs> i can't i can't tell why in my heart there is a difference one is charming yeah, yeah. nicholson's cool yeah i know like, <laughs> the difference is i think like if you give nicholson the money he's gonna come on set and be the chillest dude in the world he's gonna have stories like he's gonna be like like hey grips you want to get high behind the sound stage afterwards whereas like robert downey jr is just gonna leave and speak to no one yeah he yeah. might surprise you with lakers tickets or something like yeah. that yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, jumbo's clown room after <laughs> Yeah. And he's like, and I got the key to the place, so we'll be yeah. there till oh, you know. We'll stay in there all night. Yeah. Clothes for tomorrow. Shoot, because we're just going straight back. Yeah. And then everyone, everyone is hung over as hell, and he shows up with a pep in his step, ready to rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's time he's to dress shoot. like his character from The Departed. <laughs> yeah. And he does the exact same thing. My the thing in Departed that makes me laugh so hard is that part where he's like really coked out and he grabs a handful of coke and goes, want some coke? 
There you go. <laughs> he throws it on the bed. Yeah. It is such a great, and I just love that they were like, "All right, uh, you know, I'm glad we shot the rehearsal." Well, you gotta love it that even Scorsese can't control him at that point. As Scorsese's even in his head, he's like, "There are some battles worth fighting, and there are some that we can just kind of, you know, work, work around. Work around. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I chased a lot of cocaine demons out of my body, but one of them I couldn't is Jack Nicholson." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, he's wild in that movie. Uh-huh. Not a Jack Nicholson show, though. But I, we, I, we yeah. love you, Jack. No, we're thinking I, about you all the I time. I quietly feel like that's kind of the role that his entire career was working towards. Like, like if he was gonna full to, did because he doesn't retire after that, right? That's not his last. He does like one no. or two. He just how do you know the James yeah. L. How do you knows currently his last film? Okay, because and that, and that makes sense because he was was definitely like one of his guys stuff like yeah. that. But man, the, yeah. the Departed would have been such a perfect last performance for Jack Nicholson. Like my God. Just yes. something that was designed for him to excel at for three hours. What's his version of uh, Will Dormer? It's the end of the line for the Jack Nicholson character. <laughs> in the same way that Will Dormer is the end of the line for the Al Pacino character. <laughs> you know, it's like the natural conclusion. Series is like sw- like famous actor swan song performances not always their final performance, but the last one that's like everything. This is this is the bow on top of a wonderful career. Yeah. I, I I think uh, it is always very interesting to see kind of like, you know, people always say like, you know, Hackman, for instance, if he had it, if he had ended with Royal Tenenbaums rather than Welcome to Mooseport, it, you felt like it would have like tied a bow on everything. Yeah. But, you know, there's a Welcome to Mooseport in there. I mean, because it goes back to what you were saying before we even jumped on, Kyle, I mean, I, actors kind of act bills need to be paid even if you're even if you're a major actor and you know if something comes across i mean like sydney lamette go to directors he just he just loved to work so he's like if a script wasn't there well eh, you know we'll we'll give it a go and so and sometimes you get docked afternoon and sometimes you i actually i think that there's interesting things in most of his movies so i'm not gonna like say like He's got one particular stinker. But he... I've become come to appreciate the older I get, like because because it's it's so much more craft than style. So much of the time, in a way that like you really start to appreciate. Yeah, and I mean, and talk about an ending because he ended with "Before the Devil Knows You're Dead," yeah, which you're is dead. what a what a way to <laughs> finish it up. Yeah, on the way out, it's like, oh, it's cool that he gave us double middle fingers as he motorcycled away. <laughs> what of the bleakest? nastiest and brilliant films my roommate in college one of my dearest friends shout out to eric bryan uh his specialty in cinema for many years was uh only the most brutally sad and and just paralyzingly upsetting movies and that and so there was a while where i would just like come home and there would be like a rotation of different things before the devil knows you're dead was was definitely (laughs) one of those for a hot minute so it's like i don't think i've ever seen that movie in the correct running order but i've seen all of it coming back from my to my dorm room at different times yeah it's a i've only seen it once and there are still like multiple images from it there's like stuck in my head of just depravity and sadness. I mean, I'm even like, you know, even like, I feel like a lot of people consider find me guilty kind of one of his stinkers, but I'm like a find me guilty apologist. Like I like Vin Diesel in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's Why fun. not? A, like a pre game of Thrones, Peter Dinklage. Fuck. Yeah. Give, that, <laughs> give it to me. <laughs> Vin, just make 
just be in a Jim Jarmusch movie. We all know you want it. You don't Ooh. have your friends will still That's like a hell Dominic of a pitch. Toretto is so strong yeah. that like he could go. I feel like I want Vin to be comfortable enough to just do the movies that he clearly wants to do that we all want him to do. I want Listen, him man, in a weird art house comedy so fucking bad. Those yeah. coronas are still gonna be chilled. Yeah. Yes. The cookout is still going to be happening. I'll be there between nine and ten if you happen to make I don't know Ghost Dog too. Like, yeah, oof. Yes. It, it, you know Jim Jim's up for it. And so... Jim's getting funnier. Like the two of them could actually make kind of a charming picture, and he might get uh, to meet Bill Murray. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Tilda Swinton too, perhaps. Ooh. Are you? Look, America. You tell me that you don't want to see Tilda Swinton and Vin Diesel be kind of funny together. Mm-hmm. That's that's my heat. <laughs> that's my car just like t- tilda and Vin at the coffee table yeah yeah <laughs> on the flip side of that what if i see you coming around that corner <laughs> <laughs> i cannot take scores oh man and i take down scores <laughs> uh, she's like dressed like the old man and <laughs> you gotta be and, uh, ready in 10 seconds to go one quarter mile at a time she's dressed like al pacino looks now yes. that's the makeup yes. she's wearing like the with his weird goatee and kind of his like oh, yeah. open shirt oh yeah it's weird a... that she's the one who brought in that look she's like i want to look like this there is not a debate yeah <laughs> like well it's what we were going for so yep. I'm glad we're all on the same page all right. <laughs> you bet your ass i'm wearing a bald cap <laughs> but um i want to see probably... diesel married to chloe savine in a movie <laughs> I want to see them lay in bed and talk about domestic problems. Mm-hmm. Their dog or their like non-existent music career. Yeah. Or if the mall is still open at 9 p.m. Or, you yeah. know, stuff like that. Just like, I feel uh, like I'm just describing the movie I now want to make more than anything else. Just like recites like uh, just like quotes like a uh, William Burroughs verbatim for like 10 minutes. Like <laughs> well in a GNC. It's like an immaculately designed soundtrack playing behind them yeah <laughs> of just the hippest stuff it's like is this sleep it's uh you're, no, you're damn get, right it's they sleep. get on point never to, yeah. to fucking double down <laughs> yeah. on their good time score we did talk the about this i've ever felt because oh. i had a friend turn me on to that band and then when i saw good time and i was like i know the cool band doing the score <laughs> oh my goodness um but yeah we should we should we should close things out here. I think that you know honestly, fellas. I think um, we might be stalling a bit. Yeah, well, absolutely. Because we no, because we don't really know the answer to this, and we're going to like, I don't know about you all, but I feel ready to instantly regret yeah. whatever I pick. But um, you know, why don't we um, why don't we dive in first? So, Kyle, this time around, we we did Stanley Tucci proud the entire first season of our show, but he, we've retired the Tooch and now we are giving out the John Cazale memorial, uh, supporting player of the week award, obviously is one of Al Pacino's greatest co-stars. So, I mean, these ones, I think that there's, it's not a, uh, obviously not as deep of amount of choices that we had last week with the insider and heat for me, 110% going with Hillary. I mean, you know, Hillary Swank is a fine choice. For oh, Cazale yeah. for this week. It's tough for the other. I might have to go Cooley for because mm. the the couple of pieces the two of them have back and forth to me is some of the strongest work he does outside of of with you know Hackman. Yeah. 
Mm. I, I think uh, there's a lot of, yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, spotlighting the two, let's look, we should uh, mention them. Dorothy Tristan played Cooley uh, and yeah. Anne and Anne Wedgwood played Frenchie. Who do you got, Patrick? Oh man, you know what? I'm just gonna have to give it to like the most. I'll give it to Hackman. I have to give it to the Hackman. He's like evil Shrek. I love him in it. He's such a bad person, and it's so it's so great how like he doesn't really, at least not until like the very end, he doesn't realize how much of a total like like it takes him when it's too late. Oh, way too too late. late. Way too late. Like (laughs) like he should have. He should have known in the fucking diner. Like he should have like that should have been even then it's like like that scene is so brutal because he's like like you should he's like so like you should be happy with me. I'm doing a dance. And mm-hmm. like Al Pacino is such a broken man at that point, just totally ruined, brain ruined, everything ruined. It's so yeah. It's oh like, we should Kyle, but you mentioned the long shot in um for the fight mm-hmm. in the prison. The long shot across the room when Pacino enters the sleeping area oh, after he's yeah. been beat up and he's at this <sighs> far end of the room and, Pac- and Hackman's in the foreground. It's one of the best uses of deep focus I've seen in a long time. Oh, oh beautiful shot. That's something that beautiful is so, shot. such an unpopular tool in like modern filmmaking. Like, <laughs> look, I love Buka as much as the next man who owns a DSLR camera. But like, I love when somebody takes... Oh, yeah. Deep you'd, ha- you'd have to build a movie. set which they don't do in a yeah. lot of modern movies <laughs> you just green screen it out and then you yeah. have the bokeh bo- 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 in post but like yeah. I, and that's part of it is like i love when a set is just like some place that they decorated slightly but was already a thing yeah and like every set in scarecrow is very much that and that that room is so perfectly designed and they do such a smart job of framing it the way they do so that you get so much information with such minimalist movement or interaction. And Schatzberg was actually a fashion photographer before he became a director. That makes a lot of sense. So I definitely see that. I'm going to, I think this might be an Academy Academy first. Mm-hmm. So get ready. I'm also giving it to Gene Hackman. Wow. Oh, we're living in unprecedented times. Uh, I just think it's undeniable. I mean, this is. It's this his is, movie. This is a great. This is a great. This is a great damn performance. You know, I mean, you know, he's. It's. I think. I mean, he's I bringing it. Bring it all fronts on that man. I think I'm still operating with some tooch baggage because, in my hmm. mind, like the 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 beauty of the tooch is the tooch that tooches best tooches least. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you if if I was gonna go in that direction, I think I might. Uh, I think I might throw it to either Martin Donovan or Nikki Cat. Okay. If I was Ooh, going in that so direction. Good. Because um, both are excellent and both, you know, certainly Tooch styled performances. I love that uh, Nikki Cat is the only one who's unimpressed the entire time yes. with um, Will Dormer, too, which is always a fun character is the guy who's like you think is an asshole, but they were actually right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like he's like unimpressed and he's like he's an asshole, but he's not like a huge. He, he he's, under, he's subtle with his Swedish character of all of them. Uh, cat cat is a um he's a townie he's a townie cop i mean like you know yeah. you know he's i mean he's got two thumbs yeah so. i also like uh you know what i'll give a shout out to the late larry holden Ooh. he was great as the guy as the police officer who was shot mm. oh really i meant to ask by the way have either of you guys been to alaska before 
I have not. No, I have not. As a fan of this movie, I did a comedy festival up there a few years ago that was a phenomenal experience. But part of the first, I landed in Anchorage and I had about four hours to kill before I could go meet up with the people I was staying with. So I was just wandering the streets of Anchorage, Alaska, dragging a suitcase. And I could not help but just have all these weird like insomnia flashes in it because there is just such a like strange energy that you, you know, kind of get used to maybe more than, mm-hmm. than Dormer did. But yeah. like it was definitely like this kind of fascinating endeavor to, to it, it was fun when I rewatched it last year after doing that festival two years ago, because it definitely gave me a whole different sense of like the energies they're playing with in that movie yeah. in a big bad way that i'm just like man this is a movie where like location is subtly playing into every inch of the screen i'd love to uh i'd love to check it out and if anyone if we have any alaskan listeners and once this yeah, uh, once groups. once things uh, open up if if you would like patrick and i to come to your fair state and I've do a live to do a live commentary on insomnia patrick yeah, and i would be happy to do I, so yeah. i'd show up at the airport like millhouse when crusty shows up and be like, what are you guys doing here <laughs> oh yeah if you want to have the three of us yeah we'll go do to two hours we'll, we'll do it two nights we'll bring jen and we'll do one night academy academy and then we'll have you guys on as guests for everything is scary the next perfect night. yeah sold sold there we go we'll we'll hit fairbanks we'll hit juno we'll hit barrow <laughs> We'll even get our way to Skagway. We're crazy. Yeah, Boy. We're, we're hitting Gnome. Couple Howard Deans well over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Uh, I mean, I guess I can see my career getting ruined by a weird scream. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, that's totally. Yeah, that, that that falls in line with me. Uh, the can... last funny American political moment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> unintentionally. Yeah, um, that guy screams weird. I will never vote so, for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a more found more innocent times those. Love were. that tradition. It, it follows that grand tradition of Walter Mondale looking like kind of a wiener sitting in a tank. <laughs> well, no, that was Dukakis. Because Dukakis, that was yeah. It. Uh, yeah. The only reason I it, it was so quick on the trigger on that was that came up in my weekly phone conversation with my dad this past okay, good, Sunday. Good, good, good. So we were uh, discussing that. I think we discussed Howard Dean's scream too. <laughs> Um, it's all a package deal now. It kind of is, but we should get to it. We should just. Uh, We've got our our uh, be brave too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we'll get we'll do that okay. after. Also, a quick like a two not a uh, Kazale shout out. Like I'm not gonna give a Kazale, but like the 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 two leads of Ginger Snaps were in this movie. Oh yeah. Which is Wait, a weird really? like yeah Catherine Isabel like one of the ladies who was uh, the teen that was a. Uh, interrogated by uh, Al Pacino and the girl the girl speaking at the funeral were the two gingers God, of ginger snaps. Mm-hmm. What a crazy lot of Canadian kings in this film. Also a weird the cop who plays the uh the one who's like uh this is hurting my nads or whatever the guy who has something like that that immortal line like uh this is hurting my nads that's the the guy who owns the coffee shop in uh, Eureka <laughs> really bad TV. <laughs> Not bad. It's okay. That's it was a fun. Show. It was a fun show. I like. I like Colin. Or was it Colin Ferguson? I can't remember. Uh, but uh, it was fun. But that guy. Yeah, that guy's just. I saw him and I was like, "Is that dude the guy who owns the car?" And I had to go on IMDb. And uh, yeah, my na- my nads are freezing up. That's the line. Uh, That's always a fun game. Is the like I know this person. What weird thing were they in for three seasons that I'm now recognizing them in? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we um. Though sometimes they get those wrong. We just did Pet Cemetery 2 on Everything is Scary, and I spent 10 years thinking that the mom of the fat kid was the red-haired lady from Wings, and it is not. No. Oh, I've been the, hey, man, as someone who uh, famously got their their, their tutor award wrong, 
Sorry, uh, <laughs> sorry, Bill Maggie. Once still, again, he's still upset with us. Still upset. We'll ever get Bill Maggie on the show. Over, underworld movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like wait, about wait. Bill Nye specifically his career is for every classy thing he has, he has something that is the exact opposite to cancel it out. That's what oh, um, Ben Kingsley invented yes. that for British actors to um, to yeah. show up and like, what are you in Blade Three for? <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like it's like Patrick Stewart for every like you know yeah. uh, green room performance he has. He has a performance where he's voicing a giant tree in a bad uh, uh, Dorothy of Oz sequel. Uh, act, he, actors yeah. gotta work actors yep. gotta act, work act. yep and he <laughs> love like uh, he the tree gets cut and turned into a boat and at one point he's like sing me a song like if you want to <laughs> see if you want to see a uh, patrick stewart voice a tree that gets cut and turned into a boat and then he asks a fat owl to sing him a song dorothy the legends of oz Mwah, that's the movie for you baby <laughs> Man, that is uh that is not what i thought that movie was <laughs> It's very what an odd film. The world a movie that has the world's fattest owl. Like you see that owl, and I'm like, damn, that is a thick owl. Like you damn. will be look up look up fat owl Dorothy Return of Oz. That owl's got heart disease. <laughs> yeah, it's a shockingly big owl. The owl is thick. Um but I wanted to mention real quick, we're gonna get to we're gonna get to this in just a moment, but I wanna give a uh I got another Stanley Tucci award to give out. This one's even crazier because it's a crossover Stanley Tucci. I'm giving it to Clancy Brown for Pet Cemetery Part Two <laughs> right now. My episode description for the episode, which Jen is not aware of, is if you want to hear two people talk about how Clancy Brown is for an hour or so, this is the podcast for you. Uh, give me that Clancy. Oh, love you. Love him. Love okay. Clancy. Yeah. So we all know how it works. This is performance based. Yep. Right, we are we looking at insomnia. We're looking at scarecrow. Yeah. Patrick just uh, wow, that is showed thick. us that a photo of that thick, that thick owl. You all, <laughs> like you really, I doubted you, and I should know better by now than to ever doubt you. <laughs> the owl is so thick; it's it's un, it's crazy. <laughs> okay, I want that thick owl and uh, but whatever is Baymax from Big Hero Six to just be a sexy thick couple. <laughs> yes, yes. Hashtag. Let's get it. Spread the news. We gotta get the get hashtag. Uh, get it, the thick L to it's, um, marry Baymax. Y'all didn't hear it's it's in Space Jam too. Oh, good. Okay, good, good, good. So good, it's good. it's part well, of nice is by the, time the extended thick out, universe. Need other movies. No, they're all yeah. in one. Yeah. yeah, everything's just owned by Disney now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Patrick. <laughs> I, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but tradition calls that you actually have to go first. Oh, God, here yeah. Deciding and making this decision. Oh, it's so hard. Um, I'll do it. Okay. Uh, this Philip Seymour Hoffman from Doubt. I couldn't find my original. <laughs> <here>. uh... <laughs> uh, you know, you have so, you have, you're about to have so many doubts. I'm about to have so many doubts. Uh, <laughs> you had that too feeling. fast. You're a beautiful man. Thank you for that. I needed all day. You know, Scarecrow is such a like, like it's the you have these two different versions of pathetic Beta Pacino, where like one is just a sad, floppy puppy dog of a man whose life gets totally destroyed. And the other one is like a dude who used to be pretty alpha who just over time, probably like, you know, extended cocaine use, uh, having nightmares about uh, killing Robert De Niro. Like, uh, <laughs> like, it's just like, he's like, he's just, he's like a shell, he's a shell of himself. Uh, and like, um, you know, both movies are great. 
They're both wildly different. They're both like uh, just like fire and I just totally different. Hard to compare apples. Yep, apples and oranges. Uh, apples and oranges, tight and loose as well. Oh, tight and loose, tight and loose apples, tight and loose oranges. Apples uh, are clearly tight. Oranges are clearly loose. In case your listeners were wondering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, just like floppy and loose. Uh, Those are facts. I'm judging through skin. If I'm being honest, that's my rubric. <laughs> judging through skin. Uh, you know what? I have to go with my heart. Uh, oh, I'm just gonna go with scarecrow. Fuck it. Going with Scarecrow. All right. One vote for Scarecrow. Yeah. Boy, this is really tough because, you know, I'm reminded of is actually you putting up that photo is the um, Kramer versus Kramer versus Doubt Mm -hmm. episode of the previous season in which we saw the early Streep who, you know, trying stuff out a little more on the edge emotionally with the very controlled knows the tricks and just knows how to put in a great performance through and through without really like making the effort shown mm-hmm. in doubt. And I think we're seeing that with uh, Scarecrow and Insomnia yeah, here as true. well, because Pacino is not Pacino yet. We talked a bit, we've talked about it all episode in Scarecrow. Yeah. He's kind of feeling around, tri- seeing, feeling, you know, he, he hasn't made Serpico. Yeah, he's just shortly where he kind of starts to begin to define the Pacino persona that we know on screen. And then Insomnia is just a really, really rock solid late period. I know who I am, but I'm not I'm not going over the top. I'm doing the right. I'm making the right moves with this. Um, You know, his character arc in Insomnia. You know, it's a lot more kind of traditional plot driven, a lot more, you know. And whereas uh, Scarecrow is just kind of a shattering fall. Mm-hmm. Um, this is so intense. I know. I, think I, I, I know I, where I'm at, but the, I've just been silent because you're all making such like you're just add more to it. And so <laughs> it's, it's. I'm genuinely. This is this is this might be the hardest one. Yeah, that I think we've done um, put together like a line of reasoning built around like my stuff and then what you guys have thrown out. And so I think I know where I'm at. I. I'm also going with Scarecrow. Okay. Interesting. Mama so, mia. Um, I think I'm going to upset the apple cart here a little bit. And I will uh, explain my thought process. Uh, upset it, sir. Um, I, I I think I am going to vote Insomnia. And I've been back and forth and back and forth because I think that the strengths of Scarecrow, you know, are, you know, there is, there is, as far as just judging pure acting and craft, I think that it is a vehicle that is designed for those two actors to really like act the shit out of it. And I think that they are both, you know, and in both situations, they're they're giving these are definitely two of, in my opinion, his like best performances, and almost kind of perfect bookends in a way that like makes this episode super brutal because you're really having to look at two different directions. I think that the reason I go insomnia over it is that it is a much less sexy type of acting you're having to carry. 
and there's a level of of restraint and humility that you're having to channel that mm -hmm. I think is the really like the sign of not just a good actor, but like a seasoned actor. Yeah. Like, and I think that Scarecrow is a guy, you know, who's young and talented and is really starting to feel his stuff out. And I think that like Scarecrow very much feels to me, you know, if this were competing against the Godfather or Serpico, it's such a different conversation. But I think ultimately, I feel like for me, Scarecrow feels sort of more like an exercise than a fully realized character. <sighs> and I think that Insomnia is almost in a lot of ways kind of a commentary on the person he is as himself in a movie like Scarecrow, where it was a guy who has a lot of promise. He has a lot of things. The whole world is ahead of him. Everything is an open door. And I think that like, carrying and being willing to as somebody who has watched doors close who has in times become a bit of a parody of themselves walk in and channel that kind of energy the way he does in insomnia where he is he's not a sexy villain like in heat he's not a, he's not exciting like he is in something like the devil's advocate and he's not charming like incentive woman he's playing such a like you don't want to spend time with him. And yet at the same time, you do find yourself, despite knowing he's not a good person, part of you is sort of like, he's got to get away with this because like there's stakes on this where like we need him to be doing things, even though he's incapable of doing them. And I think that having to work with him that many kind of emotional limitations and still build something that is so intense and then still have the same challenge that he's having in Scarecrow, where you are doing scenes off of somebody else who is a person of your same status of like intensity. And I think that like the difference for me is like in, you know, the Hackman stuff, Hackman is taking the reins. And in Insomnia, Robin Williams is being handed the reins by someone who's like, look, I fucking know what I'm doing and I respect you and we're going to carry this. And I think that that, for me, just the way I judge the kind of performance work I like, I am not wildly attracted to that kind of like super dude bro, like we got to be intense in each other's faces to carry this. Because I think you lose a level of artistry there because it becomes a bit more competitive. And I think like good collaborative art, like it shouldn't be competitive. It should be wanting to push yourself to meet and exceed the sum of the parts. And I think that insomnia, those that scene in the fucking boat is two spectacularly talented actors who are truly playing in a way that like you can only do if you both had the kind of careers and lives that, that Williams and Pacino have. And I think that the Hackman one, it's this is such a perfect juxtaposition. You guys did such good work with this. Cause like, they're so similar in ways when you think about it. And I think for me, I like somebody who is knows what they're doing and is making choices. And I think sometimes in Scarecrow, he is making choices, but he is also floating on a fair amount of like new charm. And I think that he carries that through a lot of his early career as he starts to figure stuff out. You know, I think when you look from Godfather to Godfather part two, that is the level of mileage and level of control over the instrument he has. He's no longer just banging out power chords and writing three, you know, songs that sort of work. It's there's a craft to it that I think like develops. So I'm, you know, sad to see it lose, but at the same time, like, you know, I've gotten to say my piece on it. I just think like 
you know, of the two, I think they're both incredibly strong performances, but I like Insomnia just because I think that it does a lot of things that I find interesting just from a broader spectrum. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's incredibly well put, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I too much about things. No, it's, no, it's uh, very good. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's absolutely fair. Those monologues you, are why I can't be on Twitter. It's if you, you had put um, that into a thing without looking like you're having a breakdown. If we had let you go first, the possibility is very strong. Insomnia would have won Should've three nothing. <laughs> yeah, oh, 100%. <laughs> I am like sitting here wondering. Uh... Well, now you made your bed and y'all have to lie uh, in it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, this has been. Um, there hasn't been a into the woods in this competition okay. yet or a uh, like even a sh- even out of africa oh, where yeah. you're just yeah. like no i just don't see it You'll um, get one. i think that like you got i mean you're starting with some fire like i think just about every movie you guys have covered so far is like one of the best american films of all time so like it's definitely like it's tough <laughs> i mean it doesn't it's 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 honestly i mean not gonna get any easier i think though we've had um Thus far, I mean, Dog Day Afternoon remains the only one that kind of took their first round matchup yeah. with relative ease. Uh, it's just so hard to argue with because it's just like that's like when you talk about acting, like that's one of the things they just show a picture of. And I think when you talk about Pacino, frankly, yeah. and what I, he brings to the table. How he's dying in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got all these people asking me what to do and I'm the only one who could do it. Yeah, but like a rad movie. but yeah, so Dog Day, Scent of a Woman, The Insider, and now Scarecrow make the second round Man. of our Al Pacino tournament. I'm going to have to figure out, this is going to be a tough one on that second round vote. Like, I'm very curious to see where things are rolling. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, charge forward. I, I, I think, um, I say I, everybody do not underestimate the power of the insider. I think that, that thing yeah. could be a beast in this next round. And I think, uh, you know, God bless him. But I think it's if I just had to be to prognosticate taking on the winner of Scarface and Carlito's way insider may still have that That's one competitive. Yeah, I think that one's st- it still might be pretty locked up. We need to revisit those films. Yeah. I have not watched either I mean, of them for the tournament yet to go against Godfather part two. <laughs> which is dog day afternoon fuck ooh cuz dog day will take on the uh the winner of the godfather matchup oh man yeah it's only going to get yeah this, this is dark fact yeah i mean yeah. you know god bless it there is no french lieutenant's woman in the mix on this oh, one no. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you know we'll see this is this is this is this is getting a little this is getting spicy i mean, yeah, this, I mean i'm going to call it spicy it is spicy, but like, could like, yeah, for all we know, maybe like, uh, send of a woman ends up becoming our Florence Foster Jenkins. Like, our brains just get totally ruined by that film, and like, <laughs> you know, the way that like, uh, those Ooh. hands, the, like, I think, of, um, you know, I think, are, I think a prediction for you and I liking Scent of a Woman a lot more the second time around is a oh, good yeah. prediction. Oh, I think it's right. a really good prediction that we're gonna be losing our minds and enjoying that film. Vitamin C and Chris uh, O'Donnell. Yeah. <laughs> I, already, I already have like the whatever like the cinematic equivalent to toxoplasmosis is for that film like i already have like it, it sucks you in it's because like it's, 
It's a movie you watch every time and go, why is this working every time? Yeah, exactly. Cause like it's 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 dumb for like I I think I like did not like that movie for like the first hour. Second hour, I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And then by the end, when you're in this like inexplicable like uh, private school course, it's it's inexplicably two and a half hours long. <laughs> two two hours and forty six minutes, insane. <laughs> an epic it's like an it's like uh, it is it's always fun when you realize that scent of woman and ben hur are of a similar length <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> was this written by uh leo tolstoy jesus christ <laughs> oh my goodness this is this this is gonna be wild this is uh the um really really kind of the spirit of each season is matching our stars where the streep season was a consistent and uh calm and classy if you will and this is uh kind of weird and getting crazy and goofy yeah are we uh are we gonna do our casting things by the way yeah we are gonna enter i i'll I'll take it out if you want right now okay we gotta introduce it because i mean if you all could see it kyle is on the edge of his seat he's bursting through the zoom oh yeah so we we, in the first season of our show we came uh, we came up with a beloved game the streep swap and it's sub subgenre of the Hugh swap. Mm. Take take a Hugh Grant, move in a Hugh Jackman, or vice versa. Hugh swap. But now, so little changes in most of those scenarios. It works. It's a it's a perfect <laughs> perfect swap. But now we're taking to the next level. Uh, I'm here to introduce Streep Swap 2.0. Al Pacino is in a movie. We know his catalog. We know the Meryl Streep catalog. Let's do a Pacino Streep swap. Ooh. So Pacino is going to star in a Meryl Streep role. Meryl Streep is going to star in an Al Pacino role. Any and everything is on the table. Although if you wanted to put Streep no, in scare, if you want to put, I think Streep would be excellent in insomnia, but we'll get there. Um, Kyle, you right. volunteered to go first. I did, did something on this and I've had him written down. Uh, Pacino. I think maybe one of the final things that he has not done. No, I guess he has a little, but I just think I want to see this. Al Pacino is Margaret Thatcher and the Iron Lady. Yes. Salt. Salt. That's just, and then flip it just because I think I love him bringing Pacino energy to that and, and just really, who does want to see Margaret Thatcher with Mar with just, he's got a big wig on. just <laughs> yelling at poor people it's great like that's, a, that's yeah. a role we all want to see where he has no british accent his accent no, no, no. is not no, changed no. at all with his regular voice <laughs> everybody else in the class then the cast is remains just the most talented set of british actors you've ever seen and they are all just dying inside because they both are horrified and also know he's doing better than that. he's doing it and he's doing his kind of um sing-songy thing that he does yes. instead of a woman a hundred percent yeah, yeah. Is, oh. we all understand yeah and you yeah. bet the whole time he's like talk. You bet the whole time he's chewing gum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like yeah. 100% just chewing gum the whole time. And he uh, he never changes his hair or the costume. And he's kind of just wearing his usual black suit with a black <laughs> shirt. Yeah, I do like him wearing the top half, but then you go into a pencil skirt for the look. Okay, I see. I see. Yeah, half and half. Black with socks with sock garters and visibly hairy shins. Oh, yeah. Oh, could you imagine him? Bomb him. We're going to bomb the Falklands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then my flip, my streep. I was I was on a couple of different things because there's a lot of 
man, what an actress. You can put her in a lot of things. And it became one of those ones where I'm like, this changes the movie entirely, but I think it's a much darker movie. And that is uh, Meryl Streep as the devil's advocate. Oh, that's good. Meryl Streep as the yeah. devil. Cause I just want her to like, you know, her like kind of choked off angry voice, mm -hmm. you know, when she's like a little crying and she's just like, why don't you understand that voice yelling? You were an errand boy. That'd be so sick. Like, if you could do the devil, that's sick as hell, number one. But, like, if you did, like, the devil wears Prada, but in the end, like, it's just, like, the devil's advocate. Like, Anne Hathaway, yeah. like, gets her, like, you know, biscuit, not biscuit, like, her, like, croissant wrong or something. And then suddenly Streep, like, floats into the air and there's fire behind her. What an amazing thing. Well, if that, if that. Hathaway into the Keanu Reeves role is also kind of interesting. All of it makes sense. Yeah. All of it makes sense. I, 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 I agree. And frankly, Let's to really top it off. Let's move Keanu Reeves into the Jim Broadbent role Ooh. in uh, the Iron Lady. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> now we're getting real like Bram Spoker's energy going here. Like it's like he returns to the British accent mm -hmm. after years of being maligned. He's returned in the Iron Lady, and playing crushing it because Margaret like, Thatcher's husband Reeves is just a gift we don't deserve as a human species. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this is a this is a good start. This is oh, a really man. good start. I mean, I think. Um, How much further do I push your guys's time limit over a regular guest or like other? We're guests? we're still a little bit shorter than your first time on, so okay, we're, yeah. we're 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 doing okay. I'm trying to break my own records. I just try to make sure I hold the top five. We uh we're just trying to get somebody someday to make a letterbox list of everything we reference. I mean, on one of your episodes, I and it would be, you, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, yeah. Six, 60 movies in two and a half well, hours. Back in the day, there used to on This Is Rad be the idea that they were going to like just do a like little, like, here's all the things that got talked about. And at some point, it was like, this is impossible. We yeah. can't, like, this is, this is just not acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> After the first hour, they're like, I'm done. Patrick, you want to, um, oh, yes, I one? do. Oh, I have one. So I want to do, okay, here we go. Gender swapped Mamma Mia, baby. Yeah. Al Pacino in the Meryl Streep role. Absolutely. You get, the rest out. You get like uh, Christine, instead of Christine Bransky. So you make Meryl Streep, Christine Bransky, and Julie Waters like the, the husband. Like the husbands become wives. Mysterious wives. Okay. And so the, uh -huh. and they each like, you know, Meryl Streep is, uh, I guess she would be Pierce Brosnan. You make Christine Bransky, Colin Firth. You make Julie Waters, Stellan Skarsgård. But then you get, you get Al Pacino in, as Meryl Streep. You get Robert De Niro as Christine Baranski. Joe Pesci as Julie Waters. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Sign yeah. me up. Buy a ticket right now. Oh, yeah. Dominic Cooper takes Amanda Seyfried's role. Amanda Seyfried takes Dominic Cooper's. Uh, Pe Pepper remains Pepper. Oh, Pepper. Be a married couple in something. <laughs> Pepper, yeah. No, Pepper. Yeah, Pepper. Pepper is, remains like, Pepper. He's yeah. immaterial. He's like, yeah. man, maybe Pepper, like, uh, it could be like that thing, like that last season of Till Death, where like uh, one of the characters in that sh that sitcom with Brad Garrett, like, recognized they were in a sitcom. That could be when, Pep <laughs> when Pepper realizes, oh, I'm in a musical. What's happening? <laughs> Why is Joe Pesci putting a diaper so, uh, on? Yeah, him? I do really like the idea of him giving the thumbs up with Joe Pesci. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so somewhere out there is an intern who just listens to podcasts all day looking for movie ideas to steal. And when we see Mamma Mia 3 get announced, we just need to know that we have been stolen from. Mm -hmm. 
yeah. well, I, I know that I'm going to be just as upset about that gender swap as I was about the ghost, the girl Ghostbusters. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll bet. I'll be on the Mamma Mia Reddit. Us, <laughs> us Mamma Mia nerds. I demand, I demand justice. Yeah. This is not the Mamma Mia I grew up with. Where and bring back Slimer. Man, what an awful species we are as usual that is a joke i fully supported the all-female ghostbusters all is a nice man yeah all of all of it is all of it was wonderful we yeah. saw it day one but yeah, it is fu- is very funny to make fun of the assholes who were upset uh, about that that is like yeah also like who's like uh, like i don't know like the idea of like a hardcore ghostbusters fan is well really think about funny. like spending your like day being upset about that like of all the things that are like, yeah. I, I, most of most of us lead fairly busy days. Oh yeah, and to spend like an exorbitant amount of time being like, I can't believe they did that to the Ghostbusters. Did you do Yeah, like I just feel like I'm like, hey, Ghostbusters, you can get a little more mad about what you're doing with your Ghostbusters once you start putting Winston on the motherfucking poster. Thank you very much. The, the, the Slimer I know would never fuck. <laughs> he is he is he is fuckless <laughs> there is not a lady slimer it's a, it's adam and eve not adam and slimer <laughs> didn't even have a dick it doesn't make sense i did uh i used to do a show at meltdown sometimes called retro rad and i would do it was like a talk show all about like old media and stuff like that it's like the project i keep trying to bring back and make it work just because i like talking about old commercials but uh i did i would do a monologue at the top and one of them was explaining that everybody's anger about the ghostbusters movie was useless because kylie griffin already existed the girl ghostbuster from extreme ghostbusters yeah i mean so it's already been done so get to know your canon yeah i thought you guys were fans know your lore oh my goodness so patrick who is your um who who is uh meryl streep oh going to be in an al pacino film oh man i would love to see meryl streep in any given sunday just to see like just just an idea just to see like how meryl streep would deal with that level of chaos like dressed like al pacino just all polo shirts Mm -hmm. and Definitely dressed like Al Pacino, you know, doing all the Al Pacinoisms. You know, she does that great speech in the end. She has to like deal with like, uh, you know, the weird, all these weird like football players just farting up a storm, probably. Like, uh, like I just, I just be so like the idea of like uh, Meryl Streep just being in that like frenetic like, because like yeah, that film does feel like like you're on a combination of like coke and steroids when you're watching it. <laughs> having like yeah, having like. Having Mer- like I'd love to see what Meryl does in like an in- because I feel like Meryl is like the type of actor who is like never like like she would see like she would take one look at Oliver Stone and be like yeah I'm, she'd I'm, walk I'm, out yeah, yeah. and they wouldn't like, even I'm, take the meeting yeah no I'm good I'm good yeah. I have like uh, yeah I'm that's gonna part work. of her greatness yeah, yeah. Oh, totally that's like when she's that's... like a, she's sane she's a sane having person. the power to say fuck this yeah, yeah. it's like eh, I'm gonna make music of the heart I'm fine yeah. <laughs> like that's, that seems like a funner time I'm a oh. Grant West Craven's yeah. one wish yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be Wes Craven's like guardian. I'm gonna be the only time Wes Craven was happy. (laughs) I I I do like the idea of her though. Say, you know, when I look back at the films that I that made me, The Hills Have Eyes is a film that I enjoy the most. (laughs) Uh, I I I I, yeah, I'd love to see her in any given Sunday. Um, so I'm I'm gonna flip actually. 
one of the picks here. I would like to see Al Pacino in the Devil Wears Prada. Ooh, as right. a, as the I believe they made the, that movie and it's called The Assistant. Yeah, uh, but like kind of like Al Pacino as a sassy editor of a major okay. fashion so magazine, kind of being a tooch. Yeah, like kind of like because I want him to. Um, yeah, I know we just praised him for his uh, kind of holding back in insomnia. I want him to be screaming and going big and like the full hua Al Pacino. Nobody says puts uh, sees Al Pacino in something and goes, "Oh, I hope he's super understated." (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh man! Oh, I hope this is subtle as hell. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's very twitch of an eye gives me all of the emotional depth I'm gonna get. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to see him like, yeah, be like a yeah lunatic editor. Of a fashion magazine, and like yeah, very like and in the same styles in the same like the same like way it like the two thousand the two thousand sixness of the Devil Wars Prada is shot and the soundtrack and everything. I want all of that with Al Pacino in the mix. You guys think that aesthetic's gonna become like a cool retro thing at some point? Because I cannot wait to see like mid two thousands visual aesthetics and sound aesthetics become a like retro thing. It, it's gonna I make mean, so many people our age mad. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. It's it's kind of. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's kind of ugly. Yeah. Frank. All I mean. all things why, considered, yeah, oh, it's yeah. kind of ugly. <laughs> so. I will I will say it is wild that like yeah, because we are at a point now officially we're like yeah, watching movies from that era. It is like oh yeah, this is like its own look. Like it, yeah. we're officially at a point where this is its own specific look. And like yeah, like I don't know, it is kind of like, but you know, people love the look of like VHS and like yeah. you know. My, and that my has, number one is I cannot wait for 90s sci-fi movie aesthetic to come back. That's oh, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. I mean, well, there's like, a, there's a lot of young people who grew up on Event Horizon. Yeah. So they're ready to go. And it's like if they'll make video games that have the aesthetics of like PS1 games, like just like. That's make, the thing now. Like underground yeah. gaming, there's a company I like that do like PlayStation 1 style horror games. And that's like yeah. what they do. Shout out to Puppet Combo. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and it's good as hell. And I kind of love it, even though it is like. Like, you know, 3D games for the PS1 and the N64 are arguably, like, the ugliest-looking games in the but history. But now it's style. Yeah. Like, and, and so now it's a style choice. Oh, yeah. Now it's an aesthetic thing. So, like, yeah, no, it's they'll do it to anything. Yeah, they will. Like, it'll be interesting. Yeah, when when people are, like, <laughs> making films that are an homage to, like, Julie and Julia's Hell yeah. aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. love any time I hear someone our age, you know, go, like, well, at least they won't look like that. I'm like, man, you don't even understand this. Yeah. Like, yeah. Everything that we thought was cool about the 80s, people our age now didn't understand why we enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> and the people who were there thought it sucked. Yeah. And so now when when the OC movie wins an Oscar and like half the people <laughs> yeah. we know are confounded. When yeah, Peter Gallagher. Be, Im, imagine an OC movie done in a remake in the style of the fucking Miami Vice remake. Oh. <laughs> sign that me up. I, I want to um, everybody. I would like to direct it. Yeah. Yes. If somebody let me direct like if you, if Hollywood is truly listening, yes. let me direct the OC film as a moody existential michael mann style late michael mann style they get like they get like a hundred gex to do a cover of california yeah the the you know i i I enjoy being uh employed in whatever level i can pay my bills on in this industry now but i sit around going like this isn't my time the things they're making right now are not for me the things that are coming in 10 years when gen z and i'm the guy who's willing to tell them stories (laughs) uh but i did uh i had one more sub swap 
on this end, and I would love to see Al Pacino as Kramer against Dustin Hoffman. Kramer versus Kramer. <laughs> yes. And then um, on the street side, uh, yeah, we were just joking about all female remakes. I would like to see a all female Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. The fact that hasn't been done yet, I don't understand. Like yeah. that, that feels like something that's such a like, especially like if you do it as like a TV thing. Yeah, that seems like such a fucking hole in one that it's crazy. I guess David Mamet has to die first. Yeah, he's probably <laughs> so. If me and some, you know, quality character actor ladies want to go meet up with me to grab some hammers and murder him, we could just get yeah. this show rolling. Get like, like, a, a, another difficult man who I'm a fan of. But, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I will say he is one of the only authors where I've physically thrown one of their books across the room more than once. <laughs> which which book was it? Uh, True and False is a book about acting. I've read it. Uh, yeah. The uh, the point where he's like, I mean, what you got to do is just say the words that the brilliant writer wrote, and I said out loud fuck you and threw the book to the other corner of my room <laughs> he, he, fascinating guy fascinating guy i am i am a fan of things he has done but I, it's one of those things where i'm just like it's it's one of the handful of people where i'm fascinated but also might compulsively punch if i met him yeah well he's also like post 9 11 went hardcore right way yeah too. he's like yeah he's definitely yeah. like uh like a, i'm surprised he hasn't made like a movie about like uh like uh I don't know, Ronald Reagan's life starring James Woods, John Voight, and like uh, Nick Cersei or whatever. Jesus like <laughs> trying to think of like well, sa- sa- sadly sadly yeah. my um my my two twinner last week, Bruce McGill is a Trumper. Oh, I can as see well. that. Hey, John Ratzenberger. Yeah. Which oh, is really? insane to me. Oh no. See, yes. James Woods is my complicated one always because like oh, he he's... is a vile human being but one of my favorite actors he's so he's great like it sucks how good he is it makes me furious I, like i sure wish anyone else was in videodrome but they wouldn't be as good yeah i mean uh, a perfect a truly perfect film and there folks is the david cronenberg reference you were waiting we for it took, it took got us all the way there it took us three hours but we the, got there the only the only podcast that's referenced to both videodrome and dorothy the legends of oz mm-hmm. <laughs> but, with a important work here lengthy okay. digression into the oeuvre of s craig Zoller. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think, um, you know, oddly enough, though, um, much like Pacino himself, uh, in the 90s, I would have had Meryl Streep play Roma, the character okay. Pacino played. But now I want to see her play Levine, the uh, the part that uh, Jack Lemmon. Oh, she yeah. was such a good Jack Lemmon. Yeah. Fucking crush that. Yeah, yeah that would rule. Because, yeah, she's aged into that, much like, you know, Pacino himself, who played it on stage a few years ago. Yeah, maybe get like Allison Janney in the Pacino role. Ooh, damn, that's a yeah. solid call. And Anne Hathaway can play the Alec Baldwin part and I knock us on our asses. A fair <laughs> amount of money to watch her do that monologue. Yeah, can I yeah. hire her on Cameo to just send me that video? She can just be chilling in her house, like sweatpants and all. I just, just yeah, she's so yeah. good. Just give me that monologue. You can please. be like golfing or whatever, like just whatever Allison Janney does in her yeah. spare time, whittling. Yeah, yeah, audience, if you got some ideas on what Alice and Janie's hobbies are. <laughs> or if you'd like to help us flesh out this all-female remake of Glengarry Glen Ross that we're going to take yeah. to Warner Brothers and then put inside of Space Jam 2. Yeah, yeah, and you, and the, then, because we are a part of the Glengarry Glen Ross extended universe. And you bet Slimer's going to fuck in this one. <laughs>
You bet. Oh, wow. Well, as <laughs> usual, with whatever Kyle drops by the Academy Academy, <laughs> things get goofy. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much for always, dropping by again, Kyle. So uh, much fun to have so you good. back. It's fun because uh, it's a trick where I'm just like, oh, I just get to do a thing I want to do with people, but we called it a podcast. <laughs> this is this is the exact conversation we would be having. Oh, yeah. This is, you this know. is how much I enjoy talking about movies with you, Don, is as I've slowly figured out that we have the same music taste and it's never come up because we've never finished movies. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no. There's so many other topics that we also enjoy, but why bother? We've got this one rich vein to just swim in forever. At some point, we'll have a three and a half hour guided by voices conversation oh, or man. something Ooh. like that. But, uh... Any band where your guitar player's wife is part of the road crew because her job is to just keep handing the guitar player cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has or like love and respect or any band where like the second most popular person in the band uh is like tim allen's favorite artist <laughs> just fucking bizarre what a weird is, world is we weird? live in is tobin sprout yeah tobin sprout tim allen is a huge tobin sprout he, he really? loves his art he just likes his art not even his music the he likes his paintings tim allen likes art is weird to me we've been doing this for three hours and patrick <laughs> buried the lead on this fascinating tidbit <laughs> Tim Allen loves Tobin Sprout's art. <laughs> Guys, we did some good work here. Oh, uh, this is this is I this is changed some things. This is this is what podcast is all about. <laughs> uh, I mean, that kind of is though. It is. It is. But uh, Kyle, before you head out, is there anything you wanted to plug? Yeah, sure. Uh, I have a podcast called This Is Rad. If you like podcasts of this length, uh, mine is one of those. Uh, I also have a podcast with Don's uh, wonderful, wonderful wife, Jen Saunderson, called Everything Is Scary. She is uh, out on maternity leave. This week was actually her her last episode until she returns. But we're filling in with uh, our dear friend, Amy Drolet. And uh, Amy likes really fucked up movies. So it's going to get real dark. I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be good. Those are going to be good eps. Uh, and uh, beyond that, I have an album called Absolute Terror that's out on uh, Am- uh, Apple, you know, iTunes and all the places you can get streaming music. Uh, it's a fun stand-up record I did a few years ago. And I'll plug this even though there's no way to get it yet. Uh, over quarantine, I made a comic book with an artist named Sean Otwell. Uh, I had mentioned wanting to write something and he texted me, hey, if you write something, I'll draw it. And then we just kind of kept doing it. And all of a sudden we had a 24-page comic book that now exists in hard copies and shit. So wow. I'm working on getting the shipping set up to get it out. But uh, if you follow uh, Analog Future Comic on Twitter and Instagram, we'll eventually be able to tell people where shit is going to come out. So I'm really proud of it. And it's weird to have a thing that didn't exist before COVID started. Started that is now as COVID's kind of like entering a, a you know lesser run hopefully um, to have it now be like an actual thing has been a very interesting experience so it's been been cool so that's I'm just proud of it so it'll be out soon nice well thank you again if Kyle I stop working I die <laughs> yeah. hey. but thank thank you again for joining us Kyle it's always, always a blast oh, yeah. I fucking love this show it's the best <laughs> uh, before we head out Patrick is there anything or anyone. Oh. At Kyle Clark is rad. If you want to talk about it, that Glenn Gary Glenn Ross remake. Oh yeah, that's that's for real, folks. Oh yeah. Uh, Patch, anything, anyone you'd like to thank before oh, we yeah. head out? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> uh, Jen oh. is in the background, and she I is. I believe the medical term is pregnant as fuck. Yeah, that's the, that would be the term. It is yeah. very, very, very pregnant. <laughs> uh, pregnant as hell. Yeah. I want to thank. Uh, I want to thank uh, maternity leave. I want to thank. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, wanna, hell yeah. Hell yeah. I want to thank. Uh, I want to thank. Uh, just you know, bit Canadian actors. 
<laughs> like uh, one line in excellent films, just, uh, you know, my nads we are call, freezing off. We call that the Fickner Award. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Award. Uh, I want to thank uh, Plump Owls. I want to thank uh, uh, that, that That was the first crossover in our list of things to thank, I think, ever. I also wrote down Thick Owls. <laughs> you gotta thank that Thick Owl. <laughs> that Owl's thick as hell. It is, like, seriously, look up Wiser the Owl on Google Images. You're gonna be so shocked by how thick this owl is. It's impressive. Uh, I want to thank... <laughs> I want to thank uh, just... Um, uh slowly uh just like like you know just not being able to sleep and like just having it be a physical toll on you hey that concept the the concept of uh your body being slowly ruined by lack of sleep it's past your bedtime get to bed <laughs> get to bed the concept of not being able to sleep and then uh i'm going to thank uh ginger snaps there we go mm. Yeah, I I got to thank layers, both in terms of uh, uh, complicated characters and the amount of clothes that the character Max, played by Gene Hackman and Scarecrow, wears. Oh, so many layers. Um, on the fashion tip, leather jackets as characters. <laughs> <laughs> gotta thank that. Um, I gotta give a big shout out to just the right level of sleepiness. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to thank um you know improved remakes. Um I got to give a big shout out to anyone who tells two thumbs jokes. <laughs> yeah, those guys are cool as They're well. so cool and they're so <laughs> funny. <laughs> uh I got to thank Joe Dante and Adam Sandler because I'm going to shoehorn them into the show. <laughs> They came up. They came up. And, uh, you know, I got to thank just simply the concept of things being too long to be so, so sad. (laughs) 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 For our guest, Kyle Clark. Peter Travers, I beat you to the poster. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Patrick. We'll see you all next time. Oh, man. Goodbye, folks. (laughs) (laughs) 